0: All right, everyone. Hello, hello again, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. You are mostly weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey. I am your host, and we've got certainly a show for you today. Um, The UFC went through with their plan of having three events in a seven-day period. We are now currently eight days removed from UFC 249, and we have two more events to discuss. This particular episode so we'll be doing mostly that not a tremendous amount of news came out over the last week uh the ufc announced uh, another one of their inductees into the hall of fame uh just but really quiet on the news front uh for the moment so we'll get into that such as it is Uh, all right back with me for the first time basically since the pandemic broke out 411 mania's jack of all trades and i know some of you out there (laughs) Jeff Harris is once again joining us for the show. Jeff, nice to have you back. How you been?
1: That crooked referee, that pencil neck geek, Keith Peterson, was Henry Cejudo's uncle. He was his uncle. That's why he called the fight for Henry Cejudo, that pencil neck geek.
0: He couldn't look me in the eye. Yeah, I think that would have been amusing if Cruz had gone full-blown Freddie Blassie.
1: That's basically what he did
0: pretty close to it
1: he should he might as well just you know say Keith Peterson was his uncle because I mean when you're like the man was on a bender the night before and smelled like cigarettes and alcohol smelled like cigarettes and booze you I mean you're pretty much a step away from that already
0: I mean to be fair if all I did was see a picture of Keith Peterson I'd assume that's how he smells
1: (laughs) and then he was like, like that guy got then he was like, that guy got out of there as soon as the fight was over. He was nowhere to be found, which reminds me of, like, the Montreal Screwjob and Jim Cornette talking about him and Earl Hebner getting out of Montreal as soon as they could.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I didn't—again, uh, you had life intervene over the last couple of shows, so I didn't get a chance to talk with you about the fallout from UFC 249. Uh, actually, I didn't talk with anybody about it on the show, I Last week was just me. Mm. So, just, you know, very briefly, your thoughts on the event, some of the results. I'm not going to
1: write off Tony Ferguson yet. I mean, you know how big of a fan I am of Tony Ferguson, right? So I do. I think he just made some mistakes in that fight. Uh, I don't think it was an awful performance. He did. I think he just took too many shots from Gagey. Gagey was very patient. Um. Gagey hits like a truck, and to me, it was like a war of attrition.
0: Yeah, I th- I think I said this last week. Uh, I'm not writing off Tony Ferguson at all. I think anyone who does is foolish. But Dave Meltzer, you do have to consider with Tony. First of all, that was a pretty hellacious beating he took, and he is 36 at this point. So I'm not gonna. I'm certainly not writing him off by any stretch of the imagination. Because if something like this happens with someone who isn't one of the top, you know, four, this is the lightweight the world, division.
1: This is Engagee is one of the top lightweights in the world. This is what happens. This is the Shark Tank, man.
2: Yep. yep.
0: Yeah i I completely agree. Again, I'm perfectly willing to say, you know, Tony, take some time off. Get, you know. Heal up physically before you come back for a fight. And then let's see where we go from there. And look, second of
1: all, I like Tony Ferguson, but he sounds like an utter idiot the way he handled that loss. Um, he was cracked in the head. He was taking unprotected shots. That, that was a good stoppage. Now, yes, do we see sometimes referees show more leniency and let and let it go on a little bit more? Yeah, we do. Just last night, I think, for example. I think Dan was a little more lenient, but I don't think what Keith Peterson did... And look, I don't know what Peterson does in his spare time. Uh, if he's a chain smoker, if he drinks alcohol. I don't think he did a bad job in that fight, though. And I don't think he did a bad job by calling that fight. And the like the stuff Cruz is complaining about with... Telling the referee he wants to be put out. That's not thats not part of the rules of MMA, Robert. I'm sorry.
0: No, it and, isn't. I, I guarantee you every fighter in the back tells the referee before the fight, I've got a great chin. I can take a lot of shots, so don't be quick to stop it. I, I guarantee or, you they all
1: or say they that. Say, or they say, "I make sure that I'm out, if you call it. That's not how, that's not how refereeing works. That's not how the rules work. Okay? And Keith Peterson... His job is not to do what the fighter tells him to do. You know, that's not his job. And Dominic Cruz just can't admit that he's a sore loser. That's all it is. And that was a good stoppage. We have seen, we have seen worse stoppages and worse decisions done by referees. That was not one of those times. That was, that was a good stoppage. And Cruz has no one to blame but himself. Not Keith Peterson. Point the finger where it
0: belongs. Yeah, again, I said it. I said when I reviewed it, I'm not sure. I'd say it's a good stoppage, but it's it's not the worst. It is a good. But it was a good I, stoppage. I, I I'm not so sure it's good. Why? Because he is moving to regain position. He is moving to redefend himself. Most of those 11 unanswered shots that everyone likes to hang their hat on for this argument weren't clean. Look, again, I can good. live with the stop. Aramius. Hang on, Aramius. I can it's not they glance most of them are not clean they can now again i can live with the stoppage i understand how it happened i understand why it happened to me none of those shots didn't do any damage i didn't say they didn't do damage i said they were glancing blows those are not the same thing
1: the knee to the head was not a
0: glance oh no blow. no I, hey i'm not saying no no the the knee to the head the follow up right that sahutó landed clean 100% clean Again, I can live with the stoppage. I just eh. Again, if that I, was t- if that was a bad
1: if 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 that was a a bad stoppage, then what happened with um Head and and Faber was a bad stoppage.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Which you never said before.
0: I don't think I had much of an opinion on it at the time.
1: You didn't because you hate Uriah Faber.
0: I think the issue with the Faber one. It's more that he's not actually moving. Like Faber, you, you, you like Cruz and you hate Faber. Both you're accurate.
1: Bi- Hang on, both accurate statements. You're biased. Like- you're biased toward Cruz. Cruz is one of your favorites.
0: Hold on. There's a fundamental difference. I think if the ref, if you look at Faber in that circumstance, he's not actually moving anything. He's just holding on to that leg and getting hit. And that, to me, the Faber stoppage was more akin to what happened with Harris and Overeem. Overeem's not doing tremendous damage with any of those punches, but Harris is completely physically incapacitated by the position. There, there were spots. We were there
1: were with. spots last night where Marigliotta easily could have stopped that fight and given it to Harris. Yeah, and that flurry.
0: But and he let it go. And the real. I I think in all honesty, and but he you let know,
1: it go for both. He let it go for both guys. I don't. I don't know if that was the right thing, but. We don't always see consistency among refereeing. Oh, ah, which sucks.
0: And unfortunately is completely unavoidable.
1: But Dominic Cruz talking about telling the instructing a referee to make sure he's completely knocked out. Is it? I'm sorry. That's
0: asinine. That's not how the rules work. Well, again, every every fighter in their last meeting with the ref says something that's roughly akin to that, I'm sure. And it shouldn't factor into what the referee does.
1: That's why Dominic Cruz just needs to go full-on Freddie blasting. Just say like Keith Peterson was on the take.
0: Which also wouldn't be terribly shocking. Not trying to... So now, Ke- now, oh, hang on, so hang now, on, hang on, hang on. Now hang you're, on. Now you're on. accusing Keith Peterson of corruption. I'm not accusing Keith Peterson of corruption. I'm saying at no point in any professional fight would I be shocked to learn a referee was paid off. That's what I'm saying. I have no evidence in this instance. I'm not accusing him of anything. Yeah, that's I'm saying. If evidence comes to light that Keith Peterson was paid off for this or any other fight, but... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That's what I'm saying.
1: So basically, some, so basically, problem. you're agreeing you're you're agreeing with Cruz that he was getting out of town because no. he was because he because he was bribed he was bribed to make sure Cejudo won.
0: I did not say that at all. Okay. I said you I am so. not... Hang on. I said literally the words that came out of my mouth. I would not be surprised if that happened in this fight or any other fight. That's not about Keith Peterson. That's this fight, any fight, any ref, any organization okay. ever. The notion that this sport is somehow not corrupt to the gills Okay. Is, uh, it, Believing that requires a pathological level of delusion about how the sport operates. Just admit that watching
1: Cruz come back after over three years and getting cracked in the head by Captain Cringe, by Triple C, by the champ, 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 really hurt your feelings.
0: It didn't hurt my feelings. Okay. Okay. I've done a really good job over the last little bit of trying to divorce myself emotionally from the sport. I don't okay. have a health. I do not have a healthy relationship with fandom of any kind. We'll see. No, I, I mean in all seriousness, I do not get out of it emotionally what I put into it. So I don't. Okay. And yeah. Look, do I find Cruz an interesting fighter? Yeah. Do I find okay. Henry Cejudo a bloviating jackass most of the time? Yeah so what <laughs> so what is my point again that is my point so what it doesn't that, matter th- there you go it doesn't affect my consumption. there you go it doesn't
1: affect anything you can't you can't say that on one hand and say it doesn't affect your
0: consumption at all i watched the damn fight didn't i i watched I mean- the last two events didn't i How does that affect anything about my choice to consume the sport? I consume the sport or I don't. Right? It's a binary equation.
1: I think it's clearly affected.
0: Your inability to discern my words is what's annoying me.
1: I think it's clearly affected how you view things. View what? It's clearly affected your viewpoints on things. On what?
0: Give me an example.
1: Well, I mean, I think you're. Deep down, you're unhappy that Cruz lost that way, and that maybe Peterson called the fight too quickly.
0: Uh, it, again, it doesn't actually affect anything for me. Okay. All right. If that's what you if that's what you say, that's your nothing. Opinion. Nothing about how I conduct myself changes. There is no functional difference. Okay. Sure. This is look, I've had this argument with people about because there's a bunch of idiots out there who say the sport's better with Connor. Well I don't think it is. Moreover, or the other one that got thrown around was if Connor's really gone, you'll miss him. No, I won't. My enjoyment of the sport and my consumption of the sport have nothing to do with Connor. I watch just as the much everything.
1: The media clearly misses Connor and Dana White misses Connor.
0: Well sure. They have a fina- they have a vested financial stake in it. Yes. I watched just as much MMA before Conor got to the UFC as I do that he's in, when he's in the UFC, as I will when he's out of the UFC. He <laughs> doesn't matter. Who the well, champion is doesn't matter. If we're talking about me and my relationship to how much of the sport I consume. Okay. In fact, so, there is no, now that I think about it, there is no actual outcome that matters.
1: In, in relation to your consumption of the sport? At the moment. Okay, sure.
0: I mean, look, somebody dies yeah. in the cage, maybe I'll have a giant crisis of conscience, but until then.
1: Okay. Well, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Well, uh,
0: <laughs> look, someone dying in the UFC is a functional inevitability. I mean. You can never reduce the chance to zero. And the probability of anything happening, as long as it is greater than zero... Repeated with enough iterate, over enough iterations will eventually happen. Right. Someone's well, going to die in the UFC. It's, it's a morbid subject, Robert. Eh. I'm a fairly morbid person.
1: Yeah. No kidding.
0: All right. Anything else from 249?
1: Um. I For- think Tony Ferguson can bounce back. I imagine I he will. May you know? Does he ever get back to that title level? Which let's let's be honest, the fact that he never got to fight for the actual title is an absolute joke,
0: complete travesty, one hundred percent.
1: But even the fact that he's thirty six isn't necessarily the death knell of his career. So I'm not going to write him off just yet.
0: No, not death knell, suffered. But-
1: He's suffered defeats before and he's been able to bounce back.
0: And He, he suffered one defeat in the UFC prior to this. Yeah. So, I mean, plus, Gagey is a tough opponent, frankly. Yeah. So, hey, Gagey might beat Khabib. I don't think that's what'll happen, but I, he might. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. I'm not, I am not picking Gagey against Khabib. Again, neither am I, but am I, my jaw's not going to drop if he beats him. Right. But that's all I have. Uh, you don't want to talk about Francis and Ganu making use of the Todd Duffy punches to win a fight.
1: I mean, it was it, it it was entertaining for all the twenty seconds. I mean, it was it wasn't much of a fight though, you know. Um, yeah, nothing, uh,
0: is, nothing is that's that short.
1: I don't know what's going on with the heavyweight situation. I am not in favor of stripping Stipe of the belt. Um... Now people are talking about John Jones versus Ngannou. I doubt that happens, Um, but whatever. I would just say Ngannou should wait, see what happens
0: for now. Assuming he's in a position to financially afford that, yeah. I I completely agree with that. All right, let's move on to Wednesday, then. For UFC on ESPN Plus 29. Uh, let's see. Main event. Oh, God. Uh, Glover Teixeira defeats Anthony Smith via TKO punches. Uh, 104 of the fifth round. Uh, odd fight. Well, I shouldn't say odd. Um, Smith came out. First round looked great. Uh, fought really long. Kept catching Glover on the end of his punches. Moved well. Back to Teixeira up. Uh, really really great five minutes out of Anthony Smith unfortunately it looks like he fought at a pace he couldn't sustain Um, I'm gonna look this up because I'm curious about that event now Um, in the first round of that fight let's have a look here this website will load and we're talking about Anthony Smith uh, yeah, he threw 82 strikes. He threw 92 in the second. Uh, I actually gave him the second round, which was somewhat con, which was much closer. Uh, uh, I know all the official judges gave that to Tashera. Uh, yeah, he, he kept a fairly high pace, you know, right about 100 a hundred punches around for a guy that size. And this goes for anyone at two Oh five or above. That's not really sustainable. Uh, And then in the third, Glover cracks him with an uppercut, drops him with a left hook, looks for the finish, can't quite find it. Uh, Smith survives, go into the fourth, more of the same, pretty much the same uppercut combination. He baits Smith into covering up and ducking. Uppercut through the guard, gets on top, uh, pounds on him. Smith actually loses some teeth at this. I think it's at this point. Uh, Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, goes back to his corner, comes out for the fifth round. Teixeira takes him down very, very easily. Finally is able to, finally the ref stops it. Um, Had to attack- fight
1: off a, a, a home invader last month and then gets his teeth knocked out this month by Teixeira.
0: Yeah. Um, I think the final injury tally for Smith after this fight was broken nose, broken orbital. Uh, pretty bad cut under the right eye and then not lost one tooth, one of the front teeth and then one of the back teeth. Ugh. Um, I hope the UFC pays for his dental. Usually if it's uh, injuries incurred in a case, it, during the course of a fight, the state will pay for it. That's what, one of the things the State Athletic Commission does is they reimburse.
2: Good.
0: That, that's one of the reasons fighters used to always, um, you know, one of the things when the UFC started Helping provide insurance for fighters, we saw a lot more guys fall out of fights beforehand. Right. Uh, most fighters would go into a fight with a serious injury, conceal it after the fight, claim it happened during the fight, and then because right. they couldn't afford their own insurance.
1: Do they still provide that? Uh, um, out of competition insurance, you think, or
0: I believe so. Was... I don't.
1: I, okay.
0: I haven't heard anything have about them stopping. Well, but. Oh yeah. F- fighting is an absurdly dangerous profession. Oh. If you're if you're in the insurance business, yeah, you don't you don't get But so. it
1: was I think it was good for them to start doing that. I mean, if anything. Yeah. But that was All back right. in two thousand eleven, I wanna say.
0: Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, this fight, oh god. All right. So I, mean, I guess the
1: story the debate around this fight, was it stopped too late?
0: Unequivocally, yes, in my opinion. I think empirically. Like Shale
1: Sonnen like Shale Sonnen rarely like gets angry and like takes a stand on these things and he lost it over this fight. You rarely see him just like lose it.
0: I heard not some that, of the audio from that, yeah.
1: I mean not everyone that, you know, not that Shale is like this consummate elder statesman, but like, you know, you you don't you don't often hear him like just go crazy like that.
0: Well, Michael Bisbing was fairly emotional when talking about it on the post fight show. Daniel Cormier was pretty incensed um, in real time. Was it Cormier? Or, yeah, I think it was Cormier and Felder that were the trio for that. And then. Well, it's. Yeah, Cormier it, was there.
1: It's, any fighter is going to want to continue until they're like in, in the grave, basically. You know, no fighter is going to. So then it's on the referee in the corner. I don't. I don't know. I. 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 I feel the referee was responsible, and I guess the corner is responsible too. But like, is a corner really going to be aware of how hurt their fighter is? Or are they going to have their blinders on? You know, because they're there to support their client.
0: It. It's a. It's a hard question, and. It's an incredible. It's especially a difficult question as it pertains to MMA because MMA still is steeped in a culture that thinks of that in a negative light. Right. Um, yeah. One of the I Michael-
1: remember. I remember one fight with Overeem, and I think it was Rogerio Nogueira and Pride, where, like, like Rogerio like started just this one flurry up and his corner just threw in the towel quickly. Like they weren't going to let him get beat up anymore. And I thought that was interesting. And this was, ugh, this was like 14 years ago, I want to say maybe 15. It was Rogerio Noguera versus Overing back in pride.
0: Yeah. They fought a couple of times. So yeah. I, and again, I, I think part of that is, and this is just a reality about MMA. I think at the moment, I've heard a few people say this, so I'm going to echo it because I think it's correct. I don't think we're going to see a major culture shift about how, about the mentality about throwing in the towel until something catastrophic happens in the cage. Right. I mean, I just, one of the reasons you see it so often in boxing is I think boxing is much more made peace with the fact that this is a potentially fatal activity and we have to be cognizant of that. Right. I'd be so su- I'd be very surprised if there wasn't a high level boxing trainer right now with any number of years in the game who hasn't had a fight or die on them at some point. Mm. So they're all very cognizant of it.
1: Um. So this was Pride Critical Countdown in two thousand six, and it was a corner stoppage against Nogueira. Um. In the sec early in the second round, like the referee didn't stop, but the corner threw in the towel. Like as soon as Hojera just started like wailing on Overeem, and I thought that was a bit like it didn't look like enough to get a stoppage to warrant a stoppage, but the corner wanted him out of there for some reason. Now I have no idea if Overeem was going into that fight with a serious injury, and his corner just was worried that if he took too much more punishment it would have been bad for him i have no idea but i just always thought that was interesting
0: well i mean chuck's corner threw in the towel against rampage when they fought in pride and uh while chuck was getting just kind of wrecked at that uh, he was in unbelievably bad positions but he wasn't getting bombed on yet and what was the situation
1: with the bj penn gsp rematch was it a did they throw in the towel? or? Cor- yeah, or, or, yeah what Penn's
0: corner stopped it between rounds four and five. And that uh, was a good decision. Yeah, and again, was BJ Penn getting physically destroyed? Was he getting, obl- you know, again, was he getting stopped? Da- he was at no He's point getting really in beat danger. beat up.
2: Yeah, he He's was getting lo- beat
0: up. He was getting beat up, and while he wasn't in danger of being stopped, he wasn't going to turn it around. There was no point in letting him go out for another round of punishment.
1: And this. And BJ Penn was still a top star at the time, still one of the best fighters in the world.
0: Yeah, I like after that
1: fight, he he had a uh, like later that still, year.
0: He, he still had a couple of lightweight title defenses. Yeah, he, he had
1: a stunning he had a stunning performance that year against Kenny Florian, like amazing.
0: Yeah, that was Florian, and then he I think we went Florian and then Diego Sanchez. Yep, yep. Before he ran into Frankie. Uh, it's it's just a thing that I don't think it, I don't think the culture of MMA be, that's at all levels uh, is really gonna take a good hard look at this at how we approach this until something tragic happens. And well, I think we that- see
1: we, you see we talk about it a lot when when there is a fight that doesn't get stopped quickly enough, we talk about it and we get angry, and then we just kind of move on.
0: Um, well, case in point, since we're we're looking at this one, uh, I think his, I think uh, Tishera's head corner for this was Mark Montoya, who is a very good coach by and large. He's got several fighters in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He's if you've ever listened to some of the interviews he's done, he's a knowledgeable guy. He's operates a very successful camp. And gym. this is about the third time or so he's sent a fighter out for a final round that was utterly unnecessary and ultimately detrimental to their physical. Well fighters body.
1: believe fighters believe, you know, if I can if I can still answer if I can still answer the round, I can still go out there and win. And maybe the corner is just stuck in that mindset too. I think I, that there I imagine be, I mean, that there needs to be a separation. And I think I don't know, but who does the referee have a responsibility here? Uh, who is more responsible uh, in this outcome?
0: I think more responsible the
1: referee. Okay. Um, Look, I mean-, I mean, I have problems with the referees, you know, not, not dealing. First of all, not dealing with timidity. Um, issuing warnings without act- multiple warnings without ever taking away points. If they're repeatedly if they're repeatedly getting worn, and then you should start taking points away. So, an inconsistent application of the rules, and be like, hey, you know, keep an eye on your keep an eye on your fighter. You know, I don't really
0: think you should continue, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, and to logs credit, and I've had issue with a couple of other of hers. Not a lot, just a couple of other times Herzog has been the official. By and, again, vast majority of the time, he's a very good referee. Uh, he came out after the fight and said, "You know, the ultimate responsibility is mine. I'm going to take this and learn from it going forward." Anthony Smith did what most fighters do and said, and you know, defended his corner and the referee and everything. And again, I don't think we're going to have a real come to Jesus moment about this until something. Until somebody dies or is catastrophically injured. Um, you know, and somewhat lost in this discussion, and I think, you know, moving on from this from the non stoppage and how bad it was. Uh, you know, credit to Glover to share, man. Dude's 40 and just isn't going away. <laughs> you know, they've given him a bunch of the young up and comers in that division. Carl Robertson, Iwan Kutalava, Nikita Krylov, and Anthony Smith. And to be clear, I thought Krylov beat him. It was a split decision. But the others, he's finished.
1: He's right. on a four-fight winning streak, and he's always been a pretty durable dude, but just sort of not able to... He's that kind of just quality opponent who's who's good at hanging around, but he's just, he just can't past the finish line you know Gustafson was like that way as well
0: Well, no, Gustafson was like that at a higher level than Teixeira I mean if you look at Teixeira's how, how, losses how, how well look at Teixeira's losses versus Gustafson's right Gustafson Johnstone, had lost it Gustafson
1: Johnstone, lost to Phil Davis Anthony Johnson Gustafson and Corey Anderson
0: yeah, again, the Davis, Davis, and Anderson are a level below those other op the the other bits of opposition. Okay. Gustafson, Gustafson lost to Davis much earlier than Teixeira did. Gustafson lost to Anthony Smith. Yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, your again,
1: well, I, of, your argument's kind of lost
0: on me. That was also a fight Gustafson had one foot out the door on. Yeah. Uh, on. He he was mostly done with the sport before he got into the cage. Meh, Meh. hey, look, your level of commitment and where you are mentally, as far as how you consider your career, is something to be considered. Here's
1: my point. Here's my point. John Jones. He went. He went on a one, two, three, four, five fight winning streak. Fought John Jones for the title, lost by decision, lost the decision to Phil Davis. Phil Davis was a legit top ten fighter for most of his time in the UFC. I think you would agree.
0: Uh, top fifteen, yeah. He was top fifteen for the vast majority of it. I think he only got top ten in intermittent spurts. But come on, hey, D- again, dude was a top fifteen guy in the division All before right. the division really started. Anthony sucking.
1: Johnson, Anthony Johnson, title contender, knockout artist at light heavyweight, fought for the title twice. Yep. Gustafsson, multiple-time contender. Uh, Let's see, Corey Anderson. Let's just look at the rankings now.
0: I mean, at this point, Corey Corey Anderson
1: is a top five. Corey Anderson, a top five light heavyweight. Boom.
0: He's still top five? Yes. God, that division sucks. He got knocked out cold in his last fight and is still one of the top five. I, I don't know. I don't want to get onto the rankings. Top the UFC, five. Top look, the, five light heavyweight. Hey, guess what? The UFC rankings still have... Uh, and, they still have and, Gustafson ranked.
1: And he just beat the... And uh, Teixeira just beat the number four light heavyweight. Yeah, again, is a really good... So you can't fighter. say... You can't say... You can't say that Teixeira isn't a high high level contender. He is. He's just not able to. He's he's just not able to win the title. It's that know,
0: simple. Man. You can't be Corey Anderson, man. That's a pretty big mark against you.
1: I don't know. I think if they were to fight two more times, I think he, I would. I think he'd have a decent chance of winning.
0: Look, yeah, Mad- if they if they Mad- fought
1: again, just never beat Dennis Holman.
0: True.
1: Sometimes it's just matchups.
0: And well, I think one of them took that fight on short. They uh, well, technically they both took that Look, fight on short notice.
1: Considering considering he's thirty one and seven, and so one, two, three, four, five. Only five losses in the octagon, and those are the guys he's lost to. That's a pretty good re- – to me, that's, a, that's an exceptional resume. Yeah. He has fought as many times as he had to be still fighting at 40 and still be competitive and have a winning streak in the UFC and to beat a, four, and to beat a guy who's a lot younger than him who recently fought for the title.
0: A lot bigger uh, than him too.
1: You know, that's pretty – you're a pretty – you're pretty damn good. You're better than
0: pretty good. You're pretty damn good yeah. to still be hanging in the UFC. So a lot of people for some reason, you know, there's a I don't know why people don't talk about it more, but Glover's uh, he's a country guy, you know, uh, it, I mean, you and I both live in the United States. We've heard for a lot of time about, you know, farm strength. Yeah. Glover grew up in Brazilian farm country like that guy's yep. got country horse strength that built into him, you know, he's just. He's a thick, strong dude. He's, He's got good genes, for sure. Just an old war horse that will not go away. <laughs> and, you know, credit to him for that. That's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I think,
1: I, I don't know. Maybe, I think part of what probably helped him is... Because he did... He, he he was experienced, but when he came into the UFC, he was already sort of more at a more advanced age.
0: Yeah. He got into the UFC fairly late.
1: But I guess the benefit was, though, you know, in his 20s, you know, he wasn't fighting, you know, he was, fu- he was fighting lesser opponents as, as he was making his way up. You know, he wasn't going to battle with, um, you know, the killers is what I'm tr- what I'm trying to not so eloquently say.
0: Yeah, the bulk of his early career he spent outside the U not only outside the UFC, but outside the major promotions. So I don't know uh who's next. Glover called somebody out after this and I can't remember who. But it was one that made sense. He didn't say I want to fight for the belt next. He um Ah, that's gonna bug me now until I Remember, look it up I think he called somebody out it might be misremembering because I know he got asked I mean everyone does at this point
1: Oh, oh Shogun that's the fight he wants Shogun
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> sure uh, everyone wants to fight Shogun at this point I mean,
1: it's kind of, I mean, look, if you're Kishara, you're not going to be fighting John Jones for the title. Might as well. Yeah, so. Shogun is hanging in there. He probably, he probably should be retired uh, at 38.
0: But, whatever. Tra- they're gonna- trying to, they're still trying to make that third fight with him and Little Nog for some reason.
1: Is Lil, is Lil' Nog still fighting? Is Hogerio yep. still fighting?
0: Ugh. They were supposed. They were supposed to have. Uh, this would be their third fight at UFC 250, back when you know, back before the pandemic screwed everything up about the scheduling. Yeah, that was going to be. Maybe he can fight Hozier. Maybe maybe
1: uh, maybe Glover can fight hogerio
0: Yeah, he I don't know. He might be aiming more up in the ranks for his next fight. So we'll see. I mean, I mean, he let... just beat he just
1: beat number four. Like, that's huge.
0: Yeah, we're going to... you don't
1: think Corey Anderson should be in the top five, Anthony Smith is in the top five. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Smith
0: should be. What about Blachowicz? Blahovich is still kind of campaigning for the title shot coming off of knocking out Corey okay. Anderson. Dominic Reyes is still pitching a rematch with John. John's now publicly entertaining heavyweight again. Who knows? What
1: do you want what do you what do you want? Do you want uh rematch with with uh Dominic Reyes, a fight with Blahovic for Jones, or a fight
0: at heavyweight? I don't actually think I have a dog in that particular hunt. I would
1: now, if I were picking, I would want uh Blachowicz, Jones versus Blahovic. Just because I mean, I think Blahovic has earned it.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, if, you, if we're talking about like from a fight quality standpoint, I think they all kind of look relatively similar, depending on who he's matched up with at heavyweight. If we're talking about, again, just kind of the machinery going, yeah, Blahovic is the next guy up. I mean, I think the reality Mayes, is. Spears versus Teixeira. Be a rough fight for Teixeira, man. Real. Well, so rough. what? So what? Eh, again, he might be able to pull it off. Reyes, uh,
1: I think Reyes needs to prove he can beat like that main event level type fighter again. This fight solidly puts Teixeira back in the top five. Um, I don't know. I'm still not, I'm not on the Reyes hype trainer. I got to be honest. You know, I think he, to me, that fight with Jones just showed me he couldn't seal the deal.
0: Eh, it's eh, it depends on what you mean by seal the deal.
1: He couldn't, he couldn't go that extra that extra five feet. I mean, he lost the last beat two. Jones runs. and beat Jones.
0: Uh, I mean, define beat in this instance.
1: Finish him.
0: No finish one's him, finished
1: him. Dominate him. him whatever. No one's
0: no one's finished him. No, no one's, one's finished, dominated.
1: No one finished or dominated Fedor until Fabrizio Verdoom. Verdoom
0: didn't. I know Verdoom didn't dominate him, but he did finish him. That's what I mean. Yeah, and how realistic a, an expectation was that for Fabricio Verdoom going into that fight? Not r- realistic at all. That's my point. So, how unrealistic are your expectations going to be until someone does the miraculous? Unreal uh, It's not
1: miraculous, it's not miraculous. Anything can happen in a fight on any given By
0: day. definition that makes it miraculous. Okay, anything can happen. Sure. What's the probability? That's not that's not the that's definition how, of that's, that's not we, miraculous. Okay, that's fair enough. Miraculous. Okay, that's let's not, de- Okay, okay. Then let's define miraculous as something with a less than 3% chance of happening realistically. Okay. Okay, but everyone's
1: going crazy over Reyes what gave a com- that he had a competitive fight with Jones and but he didn't I don't feel like he beat Jones. I'm sorry.
0: I don't think he won that fight. If we're scoring the fight as a whole, probably not. Okay. I think if you go round by round, yeah, he wins the first three. All right. Fair that's, enough. That's not where I landed live. That is where I've landed after All right. watching it.
1: But if I, I... So if I were to book it, I would book Jones against uh, Blahovich and then Teixeira against Reyes in a main event.
0: Yeah, Now. I think whoever Reyes fights next, it does need to be a main event. I do think we need to see potentially him get into those fourth and fifth rounds again.
1: That's what, I, that's what I'm talking about here. Second of all, there, there are all sorts of issues here. Jones's legal issues. One, Jones constantly getting into trouble again and again. Two, three, the very real possibility Jones might have to relinquish a title again at some point because of one and two. So there you go. He got arrested again recently, as I recall during during the pandemic, right? Uh, about a month ago at this point, I think yeah
0: they already well, they, was, they already figured out what is what's going on with that though
1: well I was in- well I was in my stay at home quarantine and away from the show. It was April third, so we are so we're well into the quarantine at that point,
0: yeah. And he got sentenced for that. His plea deal's already been accepted. That's already, that's done with, as far um, as that goes. Is it? I'm not going to say it. Well, again, look, you you want to start another, you want to reset the clock until Jones screws up again, sure. <laughs> like, that's a reasonable thing.
1: That's it. That's not what I was thinking about, but good point.
0: Now he got, uh, I'm trying to remember what they, what it wound up being. Uh, they, I think, extended it's another
1: another slap. on. He got another sl- legal slap on the rest. I think I
0: talked about this when it happened. He's very lucky that it happened when it did. Because uh, a lot of courts all over the country are going out of their way and have been for a lot of the pandemic. To, Jones
1: has been lucky through all of this, Robert, through all of his legal issues.
0: Some of it's less luck and more good prep. Here, I think it's very fortunate that a lot of courts are going out of their way to give nonviolent offenders something other than jail time to help avoid the spread of COVID. Right. I, look, I think if in the normal course of the world, what happens to him happens. I don't think he gets the same punishment legally. Not saying he's going to be lo- not saying he would have been locked up for an extended period of time or anything, but. He would not have gotten what he got. Uh, all right. Moving on from that fight, unless there's anything else we want to say about uh, Smith or Teixeira. Ben Rothwell defeated Ovens... You know what? I think we're just going to do quick hits on the rest of this. Yeah. Um, ben Rothwell defeats Ovens St. Prue via split decision, 29-28. This fight sucked. Um, Ovens St. Prue trying out heavyweight because... You know, in all honesty, at this point, if you're over in St. Preux, why not? Just avoid cutting weight. You're not making a run at the top. You are who you are as a fighter. Get paid more. Enjoy your food. The fight sucked. Uh, Drew Dober defeated Alexander Hernandez via TKO 425 of the second. Drew Dober looks great. Uh, he really seems to have ironed out some of those issues that he was having earlier in his career. His takedown defense is really good. His ability to bounce back up if he is taken down has gone up. Ah, uh, very smart decision making about his offense, and it's not that Hernandez looked awful. Hernandez looked pretty good. He was able to land punches of his own, had some control time, but Dober just patient, methodical, found openings. Uh, Drew Dober's fairly legit. I think he needs a, I think he needs a top, you know, a more top shelf lightweight next. He's on a pretty. He's on a four or five fight winning streak. I think. Okay, three. He's 6-1 and one in his last seven, only losing to Benil Dariush. He's finished his last three opponents. So, yeah, give him someone. What are the lightweight rankings right now, actually? Look, I know these haven't been updated for the end of this particular week yet. Uh, give him... Barbosa doesn't count anymore. Yeah, sure. Give him Don't Ali
1: get me Aquinta. started
0: on Barbosa. I'm just saying he doesn't count as uh, for the lightweight rankings at the moment after dropping to featherweight, for my, in my opinion. I give him Al Quinta, sure. Let's do Dober and Al Iaquinta. That'll be fun. Uh, Ricky Simone defeated Ray Borg via split decision again, 29-28. Um, Borg had good boxing in this, but flat on his feet and just the smaller guy. A lot of his scramble ability was somewhat neutralized. Simone just bigger, physically stronger. Good punches of his own. Uh, it's a fun fight. Fun bantamweight fight. Um, Andre Arlovsky defeated Felipe Linz via unanimous decision. Two 30-27s and a 29-28. I don't understand 30-27 for Arlovsky at all. But Linz had a good first round, and then Arlovsky, as Arlovsky does these days, just kind of ground the pace of everything to a halt so that he can fight comfortably and kind of eked it out. Uh, Not a good fight. Tiago Moises defeated Michael Johnson via a straight Achilles lock 25 seconds into the second round. The fairly traditional at this point Michael Johnson performance looked really, really good in the first round. Really good. Mixing up his offense to the body and head, cutting Moises off. Fast hands, good, not great footwork, but good footwork. And then fall apart in the second when Moises charges, grabs a single, pulls down for, like, X guard, wraps up a straight foot lock, turns the angle, forces the tap. Keith Peterson, the referee, missed the first tap. Uh, so Johnson had to tap again, and his knee was put under more strain. It was announced as a heel hook, I think, live. Not a heel hook. The heel was not actually hooked. It was a straight foot or Achilles lock. Uh, you see that a lot in Sambo. It's just, it's harder to get in MMA. It's hard to get when you're not wearing wrestling shoes, in all honesty. But credit to Moises for pulling it off. Uh, Good win for him. On the prelim, Sejara Eubanks defeated Sarah Morris via unanimous decision. 30-27 twice and 30-26. Utterly uninteresting fight. Omar Morales defeated Gabriel Benitez via unanimous decision. uh, 30-27 and then two 29-28s. Really good fight, actually. Uh, These two... Kind of banged it out. Both men landed. Both men had good showings. Uh, Fun fight. At featherweight, up from his normal division, Brian Kelleher knocked out Hunter Azure at 34, excuse me, 3 minutes, 40 seconds of the second round. Uh, Really nice left hook from Kelleher that did it. Uh, Surprised Kelleher was as good as he was up at featherweight. He was visibly the smaller man, but Azure couldn't really make the most out of that. And kicking everything off, uh, Chase Sherman defeated Isaac Villanueva via TKO, 49 seconds of the second round. Sherman just the better heavyweight by and large. Uh, Good use of elbows, good use of knees, fought longer. Uh, Not great. If it had gone any longer, it would have been really bad. But, you know, credit to Sherman for getting a much-needed win in his UFC return and for giving one of the most... uh, both hilarious and accurate descriptions. Like uh, he was asked how it feels to be back in the UFC after being out. And his response was, you ever order a 10 piece of wings and they bring you an 11th. Uh, so I, I do actually know the feeling he's talking about. So good on you, Chase. Uh, all right. Jeff, again, a lot of filler on this card, some decent fights. What did you, what stuck out to you? Why is Arlovsky still fighting? Because they're paying him three hundred and fifty thousand dollars flat fee.
1: Are they really paying him that much,
0: dude? Overeem makes half a million.
1: But Arlovski, yeah, I, think I know he, our, he is a former UFC heavyweight champion. But I mean, they even let him—they—they they let him go from the UFC back in the day. That yeah. was over ten years ago.
0: No, he makes. I think he's. I think he's on a flat fee because I know he banked three fifty for this. So unless he's 175 and 175 which is still by the way underpaying him. If we're going if we want to get technical about how much mm-hmm. money these guys make. But yeah, look look, he's still fighting because mm-hmm. he has some name value. He's still fighting because they're paying him a lot of money.
1: He and went on a five fight losing streak. He did. They kept him on the roster.
0: Surprise okay. the heck out of me.
1: And then he fought Junior Albini, and it was one of the worst fights. I, and he got a win, and it was one of the worst fights I had ever seen.
0: Andre hasn't had a good fight in years.
1: And I know he beat Ben Rothwell, who fought uh, last week, and he won but on the same card. But is that really even a, an accomplishment at this point? Eh. You know, that's Ben Rothwell.
0: I mean, it's not nothing, but it's not anything to hang your hat on.
1: Let's see. Where is he?
0: I don't think if he's, he's rank- in the.
1: Ra- if, if he's I- in the rankings, I'm going to freak out.
0: I don't think he is. No, he's, he's not, not. ranked at heavyweight. Look, for some reason, they decided to rank Verdum at number fifteen, despite him coming back and losing. Well,
1: he was a former heavyweight champion. Arguably Verdum was still ranked when he left,
0: right? or, uh, or what was it probably? When he had the, uh, the steroid layoff the, the, he, had the he had the he had the you suspension it's it's heavyweight, man. I don't know what to tell you <laughs> neither does my dog, apparently.
1: All right, I think we can move on.
0: Alrighty, that will bring us to yester. What was tactic tech- for us yesterday's card? UFC on ESPN eight, uh, also known as. Hey, let's see how many times we can talk about Walt Harris's murdered daughter in six hours. Okay, I, I, I got to talk about this off the top because. I understand that you have to give context. I understand Walt Harris was participating. <laughs> I understand that taken in isolation, the if all you saw was that little video piece they put together once, it's done well in an isolated sense. I don't need to see it, f- you know, four times over the course of a six-hour broadcast, and I really don't need commentary talking about it at between every fight. It was but, weird. This got into does the... It, ex- does it make me a
1: bad person for pointing this out? What? I was weirded out by it last night. I, and it I, bothered me.
0: In what sense? <sighs> just that they talked about it at all? If, the, the amount of times they talked just let about me, it? First
1: just, let me, first, just let me say... You know... I. I... I What happened to Walt Harris is devastating. And I can't even imagine what he and his family went through. Um, The way it was came across on TV, it was, it was, I don't know. it, It was, I, it almost felt like it was became trivial by just repetition. Not just repetition, but just like. It, it almost felt like they were trying to make a story out of it, you know? Yeah. Like it felt. And it felt as a result, it felt triv, as a result, it felt
0: trivialized. I believe, the, I believe the word you're looking for is exploitative. A little bit. I think they kind of got into that territory with it over the course of the broadcast. I was weirded out when they did
1: that video package we saw, I think at UFC 249 or beforehand, before this fight card, where like it like it reminded me of it reminded me of the UFC exploiting the bus attack um in the in the video blogs and everything. And like doing all that edited footage I'm like you're like this is you're like this is the worst thing that ever happened ever in the UFC but you're using it you're using it to sell your product and I don't know I'm not even sure Walt Harris should have even been in this main event Um, I have no issue with him fighting again if that's what he wanted to do Um, I don't know Am I am I wrong to feel this way? No, I.
0: No, I. Again, there's a lot of individual mileage about this type of stuff that varies. You know, some people couldn't watch. You know, stuff like um, America's Most Wanted, and I know you and I are both old enough to remember that show. Some people just objected to the premise. They thought it was. They thought that was. You know, made them uncomfortable. Thought that was exploitative. um, Despite. You know John Walsh's kind of statements to the contrary and the emotional place he was coming from when he worked when he started working on that project. And anyone who wants to know more about that is free to look it up. I don't want to go into it. Um, for me, it was just how much they did it that kind of bothered me. And somebody else brought this up. I can't remember I saw it on Twitter. I apologize. I didn't see I don't remember the um, the person who said it but ESPN is borderline obsessed with tragedy in their coverage of sport. And that's not just MMA. That's anything. They tend to focus in on that fairly heavily. And I don't watch enough ESPN coverage to say whether that's true or not. I'm not, uh, but I saw enough people agreeing with the sentiment that I think it probably at least deserves to be acknowledged. Um, yeah, again, for me, the way they, the way they handled the totality of this over the entire broadcast and all the lead up to this event, I thought they crossed the line of good taste, and I'm just gonna say that.
1: Okay, As I think the- what my issue is, they built. I felt like they built the whole event around it, and it felt, it, it felt, it felt, it felt iffy to build the whole event around that. Yeah. Yeah. Exploitive is probably a good word to say it like. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just I I mean, and I I'm not saying I disrespect Walt Harris. Right. I'm just saying
0: you're talking about the how how the coverage of the event was handled. Well, I mean,
1: you you build the whole event that way. How can you want any other result other than Walt Harris winning, you know? Yeah. And, like, what if Walt Harris loses? Like, after everything, it's
0: just weird. It's weird. They, yeah, they did put... They did, again, essentially put the audience in a very bizarre position. Uh, And then that, again, they kind of wound up biting them because if we're talking about the fight itself, Alistair Overeem defeats Walt Harris three minutes of the second round via TKO. Um, You know, Harris had a good two and a half minutes, give or take. You know, first bit of the first round, uh, little back and forth. Both men find some success. Harris clips.
1: Merigliotta being being very lenient in that first round after that initial flurry by Harris.
0: Yeah, Harris clips over him a few times in close, drops him against the fence, looks to swarm. Uh, Over him, covers up, looks to pull guard. Harris stands over trying to punch. Unfortunately for Harris, he missed a lot. A lot of the punches he was throwing in that flurry wound up being blocked then Overeem eventually comes up on a a double leg. Harris defends. They break. Harris throws a kick, slips. Overeem gets on top of him and spends the last, like, two minutes and 40-some-odd seconds basically doing a Khabib impression against the fence, punching him in the face with his left hand. What did you score
1: the first round?
0: I actually went 10-10. I scored that a flat draw. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I think if you break it down, you know, because at the, at about the two minute mark of the round, we're looking at a ten eight for Harris. And then two minutes and 40 seconds later, we've seen nothing but Harris on his, on his back or on his hip getting punched in the face. Okay. So I just, I think if you're going to give the round to someone, you might have to lean Harris because he came closer to a finish. But for me, it it just kind of balanced out to a 10, 10, um, Second round, Harris is kind of gassed, and between the flurry he went after and then carrying Overeem's weight, uh, he just wasn't quite the same. Overeem head kicks him, gets on top, gets full back mount, flattens him out. Doesn't really unload. Uh, again, he's not dealing tremendous damage with each of these strikes, but the way he's got people, uh, again, if you look at guys with really good back mount, you're not flat on the ground you're actually bowed up their downward pressure with the hips and legs actually creates a you know, kind of like a dish you know so you're actually bowed up at the feet and at the head and it's a nightmare to get out of and Harris couldn't get out and he wasn't getting bombed on but he was uh, he was essentially checkmated positionally and then the ref, and after it was clear he couldn't improve his position the ref waved it off Um, I think I saw from, uh, someone on Twitter say that this is the most Alistair, I think this was, um, I think it was the naked gambler. I don't know if anyone else follows him. I don't follow him, but I, he he does appear in my feed from time to time. It's one of the most Alistair Overeem things ever that the one time he refuses to be knocked out is the one time everyone is rooting against him. Um, I don't know what you go with Overeem from here. Um. I forget who he called out. Or if he called anyone out. He just wants another top heavyweight and to potentially make another run at the belt. Top of heavyweight again. We talked about a little bit about that already. It's kind of a log jam. But, uh, you know, in all fairness, if we're talking just about quality of win, it's a solid enough win for Overeem. I mean, he's now 3-3 three and three in his last six.
1: He can fight like, Rosenstreich again yeah
0: yeah they could do that rematch i guess Olenek.
1: Olenek. has he fought alenic or volkov
0: um he, yes, he beat alenic yes. beat alenic i don't think he's fought volkov
1: volkov is an option
0: uh as far as alenic goes there's some uh some people have been doing some math about something because alenic wants to fight again and there's some talk about he's been offered a fight eric for, lewis yeah, because they're not. They haven't said. I don't think they've name dropped Derek Lewis, but they said top heavy, like top five, and then somebody did the elimination math on all the others who aren't available. Mm. So Olinick and Lewis is kind of something that we're thinking is on the horizon.
1: And I'm not trying to bash Walt Harris, Robert, but his grappling is terrible. His cardio isn't good.
0: I mean, anybody he, that his big, takedown
1: you're... his. Take that! He's ne- but he's never had good takedown defense. Come on, ever.
0: Uh, hang on. Let me go back to some of his fights.
1: Lost to Jared Roschalt. Got knocked out by Nikita Krylov at heavyweight. Soa Pelele. Shamil Abdurakimov. Beat him mostly with
0: grappling. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been kind of a kind of a hole in his he's game. A, he's a thirteen and eight fighter. Like that's not a very good record in my mind. Ah, oh, come on! They're gonna—they're letting
0: a guy into the Hall of Fame who has a terrible record. It's only—it's—it only carries so
1: much weight. Yeah, but he's—he's he's also fought in the UFC since two thousand thirteen. Most of his losses are inside the UFC. He only has one loss outside of it, actually. Yeah. Um. I'm just saying that's not a very good record.
0: No, and again, he seemed to be turning it around recently. He had kind of that good string of finishes, but I think, I think just part of the reality is when you're dealing with people this big, there's always a handful of restrictions that you're going to run up against that are just sort of inevitabilities. Uh, one is cardio. You know, Walt Harris is a big guy. Anybody that's, mm-hmm. you know, 250, 260, your cardio is going to suck. You're just moving so much mass around, there's always going to be that giant limiter on it. Your bottom game is probably not going to be great, not just because of some of the physical realities of moving on bottom, but also because of the weight factor of the people who are on top of you. He's not He's
1: not good with grappling, takedowns, anything. He, he can hit hard, and that's he's a good puncher. He
0: can hit hard, and he's... Fairly athletic for a big guy. Sure. But, yeah, he's not been able to really consistently translate that into uh, the grappling realm. And that's a significant part of the sport. You've got to be able to deal with it.
1: Is it a victory that he just got into the cage last night?
0: 100%. Okay. The strength of spirit it takes to to get up and function in what could be considered a healthy way after the, what after that kind of tragedy is enormous mm-hmm. to get up and then compete at a high level is again it is a strength of your personality and spirit that is beyond the majority of humanity most people will never get into a cage and fight most people will never get into a fight period most people will never at all fight professionally. Of the people that fight professionally, most of them will never compete under circumstances that adverse when it comes to personal tragedy. I mean, when you're dealing with trying to move on with your life after something like that, you get up, you take a shower, you go to work, you function normally. That's a giant victory. I mean, uh, you know, and Gano talked a lot about that after uh, her husband committed suicide. Uh, Anytime something unexpected, anytime something like that happens, yeah, just the ability to get up and keep going is a giant. I mean, heck, when it happens normally, you know, if your 80 some odd year old grandfather or parent or what have you passes, even then it's a hard thing to deal with. To deal with, you know, something like suicide or murder to just get up and keep going is a giant victory.
1: Not to mention going into an octagon and fighting someone.
0: And, and then fighting, you know, a wrecking machine like Overeem. Yeah. Uh, okay. As, uh, let's see, next up, Claudia Gadelia defeated Angela Hill via split decision. Somewhat contentious. Um, I scored it for Hill, I seem to recall, live. I don't really disagree with 29-28 either way. Is a fairly typical Cloudy Gadelia fight in that she comes out hard in the first round, gases two and a half minutes into the second, and then we see who can pull it out in the third. And Angela Hill's gas tank and technique were not equal to the task of fighting Gadelia in the third round. I don't. I've mentioned this before, and I don't know that I. I don't make a giant point of it, but Angela Hill's gas tank is. Uh, look, Gedalia's is a fairly known quantity at this point, right? We all know what her about her cardio issues. Hills don't get talked about a lot, but her third rounds are typically not great unless she's been dominating a fight. If she's the one dictating the pace through the entire fight, she's okay. If she's on the back foot at all, that third round for her is rough. And when you arguably get outworked in the third round by Gedalia, that's a pretty big indicator of some of an issue you've got to work on. Um, yeah, not a bad fight, but I don't see either of these women making tremendous headway in terms of upward mobility, but I could be wrong about that. I think Adele is just kind of past her prime, and Hill is running up against physical and competition-level limitations that I'm not sure she'll be able to get around. I thought the fight sucked.
2: Okay.
1: And this is this is just kind of the story of Hill's career. She she'll win a few and then she'll run into a higher level opponent. Can't I mean, really can't really break through the wall.
0: I mean, at this point, she's basically you know the strawweight version of Cowboy. Fights all the time. Fights mm-hmm. in a fights in a again maybe not to the same she level. She does
1: not fight. She does not fight or have the victories at a high level that Cowboy has. No,
0: she doesn't. But. We're dealing about a thinner division over a shorter time period. Okay. And I don't... Well, again, look. I don't
1: agree with the comparison.
0: hang on. Here's what Cerrone does, right? He fights five times a year, five times every 12 months, give or take. Wins more than he loses, but loses the big ones. And fights in a style that is largely engaging. Angela Hill fights. This was her fifth fight in 12 months. I don't think her
1: style is that engaging.
0: Eh... I don't know. I, I don't really have a problem with it. Again, I have an okay. issue with her cardio tank, but if we're talking about just is her style more watchable than the average fighter, yeah. But again, she fights in a fairly fan-friendly style. She fights all the time. She beats a lower level of opposition and then inevitably runs into a wall at the top. That's the story of Cerrone at this point. It's the story of a lot of people. But uh, again, Strawweight's in an odd spot. I don't. We don't quite know what's next for uh, Zhang. Anyway, uh, whether they're going to try and run back the Yuana fight, whether if they can make the Nama yunus Andraj rematch happen, whether the winner of that gets a shot at Zhang. But I think I think Adelia is kind of on the outside looking in. All things considered, after the fight, she called out Carla Esparza, which was an odd choice because she already beat Esparza.
1: Well, she's not getting a title shot.
0: Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, you know, get another win. Pad the resume a little bit. Maybe try to make it more emphatic. Maybe she feels that this time around she can have a real kind of standout performance against Esparza. I don't know.
1: Esparza just be Karate
0: Hottie. So there you go. Boy, boy that fight sucked too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, women's strawweight is the deepest division that women have, I think. It's the kind of the sweet spot for athletic women as far as 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 far as MMA goes. But, man, they have had some awkward matchups recently. Uh, all right. Featherweight fight between Dan Ige and Edson Barboza. Dan Ige wins via split decision. Live, I scored this for Ige. Rewatching it, I scored it for Barboza. I don't think I really appreciated how badly the left knee to the body hurt Ige towards the end of the second. But this was a, I don't know, I found this to be a very engaging fight. Uh, Ige has good movement, pretty sharp punches. Barboza moved around, leg kicks, you know, knees, the pretty typical Barboza game. Um, Barboza doesn't quite seem to have the same pop at featherweight that he did at lightweight. But, uh, again, largely an enjoyable fight. And the biggest win of Ige's career, because that's going to go down as a win even if you think he lost, uh, you said, don't get me started on Barbosa, Jeff. So what, what precipitated that? You can't put lipstick on a pig, Robert. I mean, you can.
1: What is... You put lipstick on a pig, what do you have?
0: Pig with lipstick on it.
1: Exactly. What I mean by that what did moving down to Featherweight give Barboza for this fight? Did it give him any advantage, any substantial advantage at all that translated into a victory? No. The answer is no. It did not. Barboza is still a fighter who does not do, do well with aggression. Um, he's... You just got, you just got to move forward, aggressively go after him and you can beat him. He didn't, he didn't walk away with a win here. It wasn't an impressive performance. He was not able to reinvent himself as a featherweight. So, so he cut the extra weight. What did it really do for him here? Nothing. It gained him nothing.
0: Uh eh I mean yeah he did officially lose the fight. That sucks for him though. That is two split decisions in a row I thought he won. But yeah, I don't know what he does from here. I don't know if he sticks around at featherweight or not. I mean, he made the weight and yeah, he made the weight. Did not so What see- is
1: What why do you move down and weight at this point in your career? After having this many fights in the UFC? What are you trying to accomplish? You're trying to reinvent yourself. You're trying. You're trying to become a contender. Maybe he wasn't able to do. He wasn't able to do that last night. That, you know.
0: Maybe he just likes. Um, he might like how he feels at featherweight. I don't know. Do you
1: think he did based on his performance?
0: I have no idea. Jose Aldo still swears up and down he feels better at bantamweight than he did at featherweight. Do you believe that? I don't know. I mean he fought better in that fight with Moraes than he had in his last couple of in a couple of featherweight fights. So I don't know. He might like it. He might prefer the level of competition even if he doesn't have a better chance of winning. He might be at lesser risk of giant physical damage. He's also fought basically everyone at lightweight already. How many fresh matchups exist for that guy? So I don't know. I don't know what precipitated it. I don't I think even if he kind of figures out the formula at Featherweight for optimal performance, he's Featherweight's a fairly deep division. It's not like he's going to just buzzsaw through a bunch of nobodies. I wasn't impressed with Barboza at all last night. I mean, Barboza, if we're talking about his fights, when was the last impressive one? Let's see. I mean, win, lose, or draw. Getting knocked
1: out by Kiki. <laughs> Gagey in two minutes, I guess. Um,
0: Dan Hooker. Okay, he looks pretty good in the Hooker fight. Yeah. Dan but that's Hooker. what? So one fight in his last six? Yeah. End of the road is coming for Barbosa sooner rather than later.
1: Let's He's 34 now. He's not a young man anymore. And this has just kind of been the story of his career. Now he's on a three-fight losing streak.
0: Yeah, again, it. I thought he beat Felder in their rematch.
1: I thought Felder would
0: probably more likely won the first fight. Um, haven't seen the first fight in, lo- in too long a period of time. So again, I don't know what I don't know if he sticks around at featherweight. I don't know if he moves back up to lightweight. Uh, again, a uh, big name on Ege's resume, if nothing else. And he wants someone else. He was number fifteen, I think, coming into this. Confirm that real quick. Yeah. Um. You know, I think he should fight. He he called out. He said, "I'll I'll fight Zabid, I'll fight Yair. I'll fight Cater or Stevens or whatnot. Um. Any I mean, any of those would be fine fights. Um. That or. Uh, Maybe Shane Burgos. I think he and Shane Burgos would have a heck of a fight. But, yeah, I think I think he's due uh, you know, more notable. He's due a ranked opponent. Because this was, I think, four in a row for him. Excuse me. Six. Uh, this was his sixth win in a row. His only loss in the UFC was in his debut. Jeez. So, yeah, give that guy some ranked opposition next, please. All right. At middleweight, Christoph Yachtko defeated Eric Anders via unanimous decision, 30 27 to 2-29-28. You can all say it with me, this fight sucked. Uh, Jeff, Yotko, Anders, anything?
1: Why is Anders still in the UFC?
0: That's a very fair question. I don't really have an answer. The fight sucked. Yep. Uh, and kicking off the main card, Song Yedong defeated Marlon Vera via unanimous decision. The unanimous nature of this surprised me. I think I scored it for Vera Live. Um, I gave Vera the first, Song the second, and I think I gave Vera the third. Uh, a lot of other people seem to be more on the Vera won the second, should have won... You know, twenty nine, twenty eight. 28 um, I thought Song had the second round. So I might be very wrong about the third, in all honesty. I mean, Song closed stronger, but it took him, you know, about three minutes to get going in the third. Um, good fight. Uh, Vera normally fights at bantamweight, so I don't think this will hurt his stock too much. This was up at featherweight. And, uh, yeah, Song is uh, hasn't lost in the UFC yet. And the only, I mean, his hype died because he went to a draw in his fight prior to this one. And everyone just kind of jumped off the train, so to speak. Um, he's hes still really good. Uh, I think it's another, he's another guy who should probably be looking at some ranked opposition next. Um, I don't know who exactly, but someone like a Sadiq Youssef, Arnold Allen, maybe somewhere in that range. But it was, uh, this was a pretty good fight. This fight, this card, uh, again, had a lot of good fights on it. So, all right, Jeff, how'd you feel about this one? Who'd you score it for? Let's see.
1: Song Yidong. Okay. Fight sucked.
0: Oh, come on. This was a good fight. Those two got after it. I gave it to you, Don. You can't team me up like that, man. You just can't. I'm going to say something that's going to get us both in trouble. All right. As for the prelims, uh, Miguel Baeza defeated Matt Brown via TKO, punches 18 seconds of the second round. Um, Brown looked pretty good through a lot of the first round. Then he got dropped. Then he came back and dropped Baeza. They had a good back and forth fight. Second round, Baeza just shifts his feet a little bit as they both throw left hooks. He's got faster hands anyway. He lands first. He lands flush. All she wrote. Uh, fun little brawl. Kevin Holland defeated Anthony Hernandez via TKO. 39 seconds of the first round. Kevin Holland came out, and he wanted to run through Hernandez like a train, man. They got close pretty quick. Hard elbow behind the ear. Off balance is Hernandez. Hernandez. Follows that up with a knee right into the solar plexus. Hernandez goes down. Holland pounds him out. Um, easily the best uh, Kevin Holland has looked in the UFC. Easily. Uh, Giga Chikadze defeated Irwin Re- Rivera, via unanimous decision, 30-26, and then two 30-27s. I think I was 30-25. Erwin um, Rivera, normally a... Bantam weight took this fight on, like, two days' notice after Mike Davis fell out. Apparently, Chikadze and Davis have been... The UFC has tried to make that pairing for all of Giga Chikadze's UFC appearances, and it keeps falling apart due to Davis, so maybe stop. Um, wound up being a showcase for Chikadze, just beating a smaller guy. Kicks, knees, distance management... Uh, Again, as far as showcase fights go, it was good, and you know, Rivera has a heck of a chin on him. He ate some tough blows, including a really, really bad knee in the third and just kept on trucking. Uh, Nate Landward defeated Darren Elkins via unanimous decision. Uh, bloody, weird, sloppy brawl. Um, you know, I scored it for Landwerd. Man, Elkins' face got... I feel like you could say at about Darren Elkins at any given point in his life. Darren Elkins faced like he got pushed through a windshield, but man, he got pushed through a windshield in this one. Uh, Nate Landwehr's first UFC win. Uh, you know, again, sloppy brawl, but hey, enjoyable if you're into that sort of thing, and I can be from time to time. Uh, Courtney Casey hit a really nice armbar actually, on Mara Romero-Barella at 336 of the first round. Uh, Casey looks a little better at flyweight, I think, than she did at strawweight. Um, uh, not quite as drawn out. Uh, there's still some of the tactical issues that she has, but I'd like to see her, you know, try flyweight for more than just the one fight, uh, because her strawweight, your strawweight stuff was not really going anywhere. And kicking everything off, Rodrigo Nascimento defeated Dante Mays via rear naked choke in the second round. Um... Solid all-around game from Nassiamento who called out Chase Sherman after the fight. Sure, make that fight. Low-level, couple of low-level heavyweights uh, makes as much sense as anything else. All right, Jeff, what are your thoughts on that? Anything stick out to you from the premiums?
1: Uh, Darren Elkins, thank you for getting brain damage for our sins. You know, he he tends to have fun um, bloody brawls like this, but I hope. I, I worry about the long-term damage that's being done in his life, but I thank him for that. Uh, Miguel Beza knockout of Matt Brown was fun, even though I'm a big Matt Brown fan. Courtney Casey's armbar on uh, Romero uh, Barella. Uh, those, there was some entertaining. There was some entertaining action on the prelims. I think the prelims mostly were were more entertaining than the main card. Honestly.
0: Uh, for a couple of them, yeah. There's at least two fights that, uh, the prelims were much more entertaining then. Uh, okay, that was, again, UFC on ESPN 8. Thanks to everyone who followed along with my coverage of that or you know, both events. Man, nobody seemed to care about either of these two events.
1: And I believe uh, the next fight will not be until May 30th, supposedly, or will be May 30th, which is in less than two weeks, so...
0: Yeah, the I think the original plan was for to have one the twenty seventh. Uh, that did not. That just isn't going to pan out uh, for whatever reason. Either so, either Nevada's not opening up on the schedule the UFC okay. wants, or they just burned through all of the fighters that they had at their disposal. Uh, so they they're pushing back the next event to the thirtieth. And at the moment, uh, the UFC kind of publicly stated that if they if the sta- if the UFC Apex Center is not open because Nevada is still doing what Nevada is doing now, they're looking at I think they said Arizona is a as a viable state to host whatever you know, whatever venue specifically. So they're and gonna they give themselves an extra their,
1: week. And they can't open their Mortal Kombat enter the dragon fight island until June.
0: Assuming that timeline is accurate, yeah. That seems to be what they're saying.
1: At June at the earliest. Um so this fight will either be at the UFC apex or possibly Arizona if Arizona is open up to pro sports at that time, which is none of that is official, by the way. So
0: uh, still flying by the seat of our pants. Right. right. So all right. Um, Kyle Woodley yeah.
1: versus Gilbert Burns, Augusto Sakai versus Blagoy Ivanov, Mackenzie Dern versus Hannah Siffers are what's being talked about for that card.
0: Yeah, um, uh, that's all we have kind of recently announced for it. And again, it's only four fights out of a potential 12 fight card, 11 or 12. They um, should
1: just pay Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley what they want and get them to fight each
0: other. People will go for it. It would make money. It would in theory. But the UFC doesn't really like either of them, and so they're not going to go out of their way to accommodate their demands. They don't go out of the way to accommodate the demands of any fighter.
1: By the way, I, I firmly believe what Suhudo did is a public negotiation. I don't believe for a second that retirement is
0: sticking. I wouldn't shock me if, if it can you.
1: I'll believe it with within ten years if he is not fought fought
0: again. Then I will believe. It. <laughs> ten years. Might, there you go. Might also depend on what he does, on what he, what activity he engages in next.
1: Supposedly real estate, but we'll see. Uh, if he's,
0: he's looking, if he's looking for non, yeah, if he's looking for non-competition related stuff, yeah, I know some boxers have mentioned they'd like to box him, and he. Uh, that sounds
1: like a terrible idea if you're Sato.
0: Depends on the paycheck. You make more money in boxing. I mean, especially the guys that we're talking is about. Is a
1: boxing here. All right, is a boxing promoter going to pay him 3.5 million or more to get in, inside a boxing ring to yeah. to box someone?
0: 3.5 million probably not.
1: Because that's that I think is that I think is the type of money he wanted from Dana White in the UFC.
0: Yeah, he's not getting that. If we're talking realistically. Okay. I think he's. I think there's a higher probability of him finding a boxing bout that will net him a million dollars than fighting. And than finding an MMA fight.
1: Nick that Diaz couldn't. So. Nick Diaz couldn't. So I mean,
0: Nick Diaz, while a popular figure, does not have the athletic credibility that Cejudo does. Does not Aye. have the does not have the broad-based broad based appeal that Cejudo does. I'm really surprised. Nick Diaz
1: I, has a ton of
0: broad-based appeal. Hang on. I'm really surprised. You can drop Cejudo into Mexico City, right? Mm-hmm. Ceju, I'm really surprised the UFC didn't make a bigger deal out of trying to make Cejudo the next kind of Latino crossover star.
1: Yeah, that's, that my, that's, that's what I don't get because they tried so hard. To do that with Kane, and it, and it not touched. always, the, it, it wasn't always their fault, but it just didn't happen, right?
0: Yeah, and Cejudo kind of leaned away from it as far as how he was promoting himself. Even it was a really odd decision. But he's bilingual. He's he's
1: Mexican American.
0: He's he's first generation American, isn't he? He he
1: he. His parents are from Mexico, are they not?
0: Yeah, but you're a Mexican American. If you like, have dual citizenship, you're an American. All right. if you're You know, all right, all right. He's of Mexican descent, Robert. You know what yeah. I mean. It, it, it's a fairly important legal distinction, actually. But oh, yeah, sh- I do know what you mean. Yeah,
1: I, 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 if, I know what I you mean, mean. If someone's Italian American, come on here. So someone who's Italian American isn't of dual citizenship, Robert. Come on. You know what I'm. You know what I'm talking about. That is kind
0: of how I approach it, actually. Yeah. Other distinctions don't really serve much purpose. Okay.
1: You're now, now, you're now, 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 now I'm getting angry. My point is, he could have been that crossover star for Mexico. Yeah. Um. I, there was a real possibility of that, I think. And I don't know. I I don't get I don't get why they didn't try that with him. I don't get. I, to me, he to me he's a guy you want to make happy and pay him more, but I don't get it. I'm not uh, seeing why. I-
0: yeah, some of that also comes down to again how much he's asking for, how much he's realistically worth, how much the UFC hates paying fighters in general. UFC 249 did good numbers. Yeah, I'm starting to question their self-reporting on that. Who? Well, the, the 700,000 or so number was essentially self-reported by the UFC, right?
1: Oh, you're saying they gave that number to Kevin Aeoli? I don't know.
0: I, I Probably.
1: Uh, John Arand of Sports Business Journal reported that the number would exceed 700,000.
0: Yeah. We don't have – again, we don't have the hard numbers All right. Numbers you don't yet. think
1: you- – so, so you don't think John Orand is a legit reporter and did not report I didn't, numbers? I hold on. I didn't say that. I okay. said
0: I'm not. One, he's not disclosing his sources. Okay. Which, to be fair, he does not. Many ha- reporters not, do not. Got, he does not have to, nor should he have to. Okay. But it does mean that I, as a consumer, then have as a consumer of what he's saying, do I have to go. Okay. How much stock am I going to put in this? And I'm not saying nothing. But the ratings for the prelims for UFC 249 that aired on ESPN were lower than the previous set of uh, pay-per-view prelims, which did an event that did significantly lower than 700,000. Now, again, those aren't an exact science, though. I'm aware. Maybe the and maybe the uh, the fact that more people had to purchase this as solo acts or as small gatherings rather than the ability to go out into more public gatherings or to see it at a sports bar or what have you a lot of factors not saying it's it i'm not saying it's incorrect i'm saying at the so moment you're not say, saying it's fake news i'm not saying it's fake news i'm saying it is unconfirmed okay and i'm
1: i'm saying I, henry cejudo pay him pay him pay him 3.5 million dollars
0: i'd be fine with look it. look every fighter is underpaid all of them down whole whole UFC roster everyone who's ever fought for the UFC has always been underpaid
1: i i would i i think you should pay soto more because think about this he is the only olympic gold medalist to ever become a ufc champion two weight division champion defends both those titles beats tj dillashaw Demetrius Johnson, Marlon Marais, Dominic Cruz, bilingual, can, can go for that Mexican demographic that UFC has been wanting to break into for years that Cain Velasquez was not able to do for them. Why do you not want to pursue that? You want to keep that guy ha- – I, I think you ideally want to keep that guy happy and fighting for you as long as possible from a business
0: perspective. Some of that also depends on how much money he brings in. Again, we don't have a lot of hard numbers about how much he's worth in terms of dollars.
1: Okay. Well, Some of that the also- report is they did in, in a global pandemic, the only report I have, they did 700, 000, over 700,000 buys for that pay-per-view that he co-headlined with Dominic Cruz. Uh, so there you go. I, again, I'm not saying he brings in nothing, but I have no reason to doubt. I have no reason to doubt the numbers that are being reported. No reason. So
0: you're going to pay him and him alone ten or so percent of the total revenue generated by that event?
1: Not I. I'm who said him
0: alone? You said you were going to pay Henry Cejudo the three point five million. Yeah, sure. Assu- okay, assuming that event did seven hundred thousand buys. Let's use seven hundred thousand for math purposes. Yeah. 60 bucks a pop.
1: No, it's more than 60 at this point.
0: I paid for the pay per view. I paid $70. Okay, 70. Sorry, my mistake. 70. Okay, so 700,000 buys. Event drew then on pay per view about $49 million, give or take. Okay. You're going to throw about 10% of that, less than 10, but about 10% at one guy. He's worth it. He is worth it. Your co-headliner, your co-main event guy, is worth ten percent of the total revenue generated Olympic by that gold
1: event. Medalists. Olympic gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist. He
0: already got paid for his gold medal.
1: Olympic gold medalist, two-weight division champion, bilingual. Okay. Are you, Mexican okay, Mexican much, heritage.
0: Yes. How much you How much are you going to pay Tony Ferguson? Uh.
1: Tony Ferguson, I pay at least a million.
0: How much are you going to pay Gagey?
1: uh how much how much did he get paid for that fight i don't know look it up actually well gagey is now the interim champion so now they have to pay him like a champion do they not
0: uh correct
1: okay so gagey got 350k for that fight that was his base pay uh, hang on. Did he get a, or was it one seventy five? Or did he get show and win? He'll be he'll be get a, he'll be getting show and win. Uh, let's see. I'm. It's just. I mean, I I think Gagey's worth at least five
0: hundred thousand, at least. Okay, so you're paying the guy who won half what the guy of the same amount of the guy he beat. Okay, not not actually that uncommon. So okay, how much are you paying Cruz? See how much did Cruz get? Three hundred K.
1: I think Cruz deserves at least five hundred K.
0: Okay, how much are you paying in Ganu? Uh,
1: Ngannou's salary was how much?
0: Two hundred sixty thousand.
1: In Ganu deserves a raise too because he's a he's a star. Nganu Ganu gets five hundred K.
0: Okay, so you're already up to paying out seven million dollars.
1: Um, out of forty-nine million,
0: Hang on. doesn't sound not, so bad. We're not done. Okay, so we're up to seven. There's okay. Cejudo's cut thing, and then then there's Cejudo's cut of the pay per view. He was the champion going into this. Yeah. How much are you paying Rosenstrike?
1: So Rosenstrike's at eighty thousand. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping him at eighty thousand.
0: How much are you paying Cater?
1: Uh. Calvin Cater, I'm keeping him what he got for this fight card.
0: For so now. about 50 and 50?
1: Yeah, but he got uh, 30% of Steven's fight purse.
0: Yeah. Steven's missed weight badly. That's on him. How much mm-hmm. are you paying Greg Hardy? Greg Hardy? Yeah.
1: I'm paying, paying him, him, him. The, Ree- the Reebok money.
0: So you're paying him... I'm <laughs> just kidding. 800 bucks? Uh, that will be delivered so to his house in 180- merchandise? <laughs> he's getting 180, right? I, I don't know if he's so, 90 and 90 or flat 180.
1: 90 and 90.
0: They didn't really sell this card around Greg Hardy, though. No. He was he was on the main card. He was on the main card of the pay per view. Okay. okay. I don't remember
1: his fight being especially good. Oh, it sucked. Uh, forty
0: forty five k. You're gonna sign. You're gonna sign him to a contract for forty five thousand to show and forty five thousand to win. Yep. Okay. Uh, good lord, Jorgen De Castro is only on twelve and twelve. That's criminal. That's just criminal. Sure. How much are you paying Pettis?
1: Pettis got three hundred ten thousand, so that means one fi- He got one fifty-five. His base pays one fifty-five.
0: Assuming he's on show and win split, yeah, which is a whole other discussion. But so I'm looking not
1: at. I'm looking at. Because I'm not, I'm not able to find the show and win splits for this card.
0: Uh, uh, it's Pettis. Pettis. You know Pettis might be flat. In all honesty, wouldn't shock me if he's just flat three hundred and ten to show. 300, it's three hundred and ten thousand straight up. I'll
1: just keep him at that.
0: All right, Cerrone. Cerrone, I give him a million. Give a million dollars to the guy who just lost that fight. Okay. Yeah.
1: Never yeah. champion.
0: Yep. You gonna try and justify paying Cerrone more than Pettis? Nope. When, when Pettis, yeah, is a,
1: yeah, he's Cowboy Cerrone.
0: When Pettis's manager calls, he's gonna and his lawyers get on the phone and say, "Why are you paying my guy less?"
1: Um, you're not Cowboy Cerrone. We're a former
0: champion. Mm. Champion with title defense.
1: You got to be on the Wheaties box.
0: Yeah. Guess what? So uh, essentially, you're just now going to lose Anthony Pettis as a UFC fighter. Okay. okay.
1: You're, you're you're asking me what I would pay them. You're, you're, now you're you're bringing in
0: feelings and you're bringing in all this extra. Well, let's bring in the reality of it. <laughs> now again, look, I'm happy. I've said this for a while. All fighters are underpaid. All of. them. I mean. I mean, I mean the reality.
1: Why is why is Greg Hart? Why is why is a scrub like Greg Hardy getting paid a hundred k? And what? It, why are the managers allowing that? So I mean, there you go.
0: Name value and ESPN likes him for some unknown reason. Okay. I mean, look. If you want to know about where the real money is in terms of how the UFC operates, it's is not actually— Is is Greg Hardy bringing in
1: money for the UFC? Is that quantifiable?
0: I don't know. They've never put so him they, in a position where it's so been. They drew a, no live gate. They had no live gate. The UFC doesn't need a live gate. You wanna, That's one of the crazy things that has come out about some of the reporting around the UFC right now. Their live gate revenue, if we're talking about like total year revenue, it's mm-hmm. less than 10%. The The live tickets, the that live. do still the, makes the, a dent. Not really. Especially when you talk. look at all the guaranteed money they have. And how that breaks down the UFC can run. They were uh, going to draw
1: a $5 million gate in New York for Habib versus Tony.
0: Sure. And uh, I'm not saying that's, that's nothing Nothing to sneeze at. It's a lot of money that the fighters would not have seen any of. They don't use any of the gate money
1: to pay like the main event guys.
0: Unless you have it specifically in your contract. No. Okay. Now, K- now Khabib might at this point have that in his contract. Don't know. I guarantee you, no one else does. Right? No one, like no one else on that card would have got any of the. Okay, games. so there you go. They don't. My point being, the UFC does not need a gate to continue functioning right. financially. They could lose that and be fine.
1: I don't have, from a promotional standpoint. I know you don't like Cejudo, but I I feel like he's definitely
0: worth a raise. I mean, look, is he worth more than he's getting? Yeah, absolutely.
1: He definitely
0: is. 100%. Again, everyone in the UFC is underpaid by an order of magnitude, at least a decimal point. Okay, but I feel like Cejudo
1: even more than most. When you look at all those credentials and all that he brings to the table.
0: And, yeah, in a perfect world, probably. But the UFC, the fact that the UFC underpays literally everyone who has ever fought for them.
1: You would not even agree they under they they, they were underpaying Cejudo more than most. You won't
0: even agree to that. More than most?
1: Yeah. Mm,
0: most in this case being say fifty percent. Okay, let me think. Maybe not, is- okay, maybe
1: not three point five million, but come on. What about $1 million? $1 in million a fight? $1 million flat fee. Well,
0: I mean, yeah. Plus, again. His, plus, his, plus his championship bonuses. As long as he's champion. Which he has now lost, actually. But assuming he's champion, okay. Yeah, again. It, uh, he hasn't lost until he's outside of the USADA pool. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, I, again. I'm. He might... There might be some argument about that. Okay, I'm saying for right now he's retired, in theory, and if he is, if he has actually vacated the title, then Gregor is have...
1: retired in theory. I think twice already. So there you go.
0: Yeah, and he also wound up vacating his titles. Sure. So when he fought again, he did not no, have. No, he was the... stripped. He was stripped of his title. Either way, stripped either way he is no longer he was no longer the champion when he fought again which means that he prob he would not have had the same championship payout in his contract now mcgregor being mcgregor i'm sure had some other payout structure because he's the biggest star the sport has okay you're waffling cuz you don't like Suhudo and you think I'm he's
1: not, a i'm not I'm not waffling you're waffling cuz you don't like Cejudo and you think he's a win bag admit it
0: i think he's a win bag yes okay Look, again, he's underpaid, chronically. They all are. I don't think that that doesn't necessarily mean I think that the solution to paying them more comes from just the UFC forking over more money for each particular fight, show, and win. I think that's very small thinking about this. That's the rough equivalent Don't you
1: think it's short-sighted to let a guy like Cejudo go? Knowing the UFC's interest in Mexico... And what Cejudo brings to the table.
0: Short-sighted? No. Do I think hang on? Why? Do I think hang Why? On, Why? someone else will come along? <sighs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. If you're asking me if it's a mistake, yes. Yes, it's a mistake. But the UFC has weathered he just be Dominic Cruz, Robert. The UFC, and much as I don't like them at times. They, their organization is designed to function regardless of star power basically they benefit from it but they they have weathered the loss of bigger stars they've weathered long dearths without stars is thehudo a missed opportunity yes is it a mistake to let him go yes is it crippling no I'm not say- I'm not even saying crippling I'm saying
1: short-sighted
0: it depends short-sighted. on how much Depends on
1: what you're giving not up to keep him. Okay. Okay. Not
0: crippling, short-sighted. Okay, that depends entirely on what you'd be giving up to keep him.
1: I would, I would give him, I would give him a seven. Fi- I would, I would try to at least negotiate some sort of seven-figure payday for him. I think that's reasonable. Maybe not three point five million, but something that it, that if we can get on the same page with him about and maybe other incentives I would try and look I, I'm not a I'm not the head of a company or a promoter so it's not my money I'm just speaking I'm speaking hypothetically just because he has he's in the I would say he's in the prime of his fighting career right now and I would not want to see him go away just yet yeah that's that's all reasonable
0: and I don't okay. think that's thank you I don't think any of that's incorrect thank you that's because that's what I was getting at And again, the other the only flip side is, again, we don't know the specifics of what he's asking for beyond the number that he's thrown out there is what he wants. And the UFC has
1: zero. The extra zero suggests he
0: wants three point five million. Yeah. And that's certainly a lofty goal. And in all honesty, if again, if we're speaking objectively, yeah, he's that's what he should be making. Probably. That doesn't mean that's what the UFC is going to want to pay him. And is going to decide to acquiesce to his particular conditions relative to what everyone else is asking for. the The UFC is trying to juggle a tremendous amount of interest in that. They
1: gave Gilbert Melendez everything he wanted when he re-upped some years back.
0: Yeah, and look how that worked out for them. Well, that's on them. Yeah, and why do you think they're not doing it anymore? You got burned. You got burned pretty badly. OK, so you're less likely to do it next time. What if you what if you offer Henry? OK,
1: for uh, Melendez, Gilbert Melendez was not
0: a champion, not an Olympic gold medalist. OK, say you give Henry Cejudo the million dollars. He shows up, he loses, shows up, he loses, shows up, he loses. You paid three million dollars to a guy who lost three fights in a row. At least at least there will be fun fights and at Maybe. least we'll have Captain so, Cringe.
1: Hold on, Cejudo we'll had,
0: had a lot of boring fights. Let's not pretend he didn't. Okay. I'm not saying that's where he's trended.
1: He turned. But... He turned his career around. Became an exciting fighter.
0: Yeah, and, it, made uh, and, the, and made the most of it. And we've all look. Look, one of the things you talked about with Melendez, he got his big contract and he mentally checked out. Right. I'm not. We're going to pretend that Henry Cejudo might not.
1: To me. Again, to it's, me, a, to, it's me, a- to me, to me that risk that risk is greater than what like than what they did with Hector Lombard. At least, at least, unlike Hector Lombard, he has an Olympic gold medal. At least, unlike Hector Lombard, he can win a UFC championship. So, to me, that's that's already that's already makes him more infinitely. More invaluable than a Hector Lombard or a Gilbert Melendez.
0: So, yeah. Uh, Lombard for sure. Melendez. Melendez at least had a period of time. All right. He...
1: Yeah. Melendez at one point was easily one of the top lightweights in the he, world
0: for sure. He probably should have beat Benson Henderson in their title fight. <laughs> mm. I, I re watched that recently. And yeah, Henderson got lucky on that decision.
1: And they gave him a rematch and. He got a tie He got another shot at the title. Got choked out. Gave him a gave him Ultimate Fighter. Gave him Eddie Alvarez. Had an awful fight with Eddie Alvarez. Hasn't yeah, won a fight f-
0: since. Yeah, that fight sucked. <laughs> so again, I don't know what Cejudo's doing next. Um, again, much as uh, he
1: and you know what, Do you, can we honestly say he mentally checked out? Maybe he just peaked.
0: Also, very possible. You know, also, at, that it can,
1: point, at that point, Melendez was a highly competitive lightweight, had fought some of the best
0: in the world. Those fights take a toll. You could make the same argument about Cejudo in terms of potentially looking at his possible, peak. Possible. Mean, possible.
1: But I mean, dude's 33. But, but Melendez doesn't have an Olympic gold medal. So what? Most people don't. He's the only... He's the only Olympic gold medalist in UFC history to win a UFC championship. The only yeah. one.
0: It's the a, only one. It's a great accomplishment.
1: And if there no was. No one an, has done it before. No one has done it before him.
0: And if there was an accomplishment clause built into his contract, I'm sure he would have been paid through the roof for it.
1: You just don't want. You don't want to. You don't want to praise Henry Cejudo.
0: You hate him. To, I'm happy to praise Henry Cejudo in a lot of ways. Again, great, phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. One of the more versatile combat sports athletes. But if he's arguably I, one of the greatest of all time, I don't think he rates greatest of all time combat sports He's a two weight,
1: two weight champion defended his belts in both weight classes.
0: OK, hold on. We're going to do this.
1: Yeah. OK,
0: how long has his MMA career been? Uh,
1: let's see. Just over seven years.
0: Okay. Less than ten years. Mm-hmm. One title defense in two weight class one title defense in each weight class. Yeah. Very little. His Olympic gold medal. Unbelievable accomplishment. You know what happened the next Olympics? I'll tell you. What? He failed to make the national team to qualify for them. And he tried. So? So lack of sustained dominance over a prolonged period of time. If we're talking talking about you're
1: talking about Olympics, you're not talking about MMA.
0: I'm talking about combat sports. That is a broad term. Okay. it encompasses fencing. I'm
1: talking about I'm talking about MMA. He's one of the best of all time.
0: Just MMA. Yeah, just just MMA MMA. is not one of the top 10 best MMA fighters of all time. Curious. He is not. Why not? He has beaten some very good fighters. He's beaten some fighters on that list. But at a career that's less than 10 years. Beatrice Johnson. TJ Dillashaw. Dominic Cruz. He went one. Hang on. He went one and one with DJ. Sure. And to be fair, I so do but. think he lost that
1: second one. All right. Mm-hmm. To be fair, it still went on his resume. He won it the is, title. It is. Highly competitive fight. Not going to take that away from him. The the. And it. Demetrius Johnson defended uh, the belt how many times? Oh, 11. Was it 11?
0: I think so. Look, if you want to, again, if you're talking about the five best combat sports athletes, MMA fighters, let's, let's, okay. MMA fighters, right? Yeah. It's GSP, Silva, DJ Jones, Fate if or, DJ's
1: in that conversation, then Cejudo needs to be in that conversation.
0: I'm not saying he's not in the conversation. I'm he saying he moved he's up to a
1: higher yeah. weight class and won the title. Yeah, yeah. beat okay. the, beat the champion of a higher weight class.
0: And he didn't beat the champion.
1: He won the title. the The champion of a higher weight class moved down. He knocked him out. Then he moved up and won a title in a higher weight class.
0: So are you really going to try and argue with me that, like, Ken Norton should be in the same discussion with Muhammad Ali, then? Yeah. We're That's not fuck fucking that. about... No, no, no. That is the same <laughs> argument you're making. So-and-so beat so-and-so who had a better career, so they should be in the discussion. I, I don't know enough about Ken Norton to comment. Okay. I'm just saying, that is the argument you're making. I'm not saying Henry Cejudo's not great. I'm saying if we're talking about the history and legacy of how you compete in MMA, his brief tenure somewhat excludes him He's from the upper He's done more wrestle. in his
1: brief, te- his brief tenure than, mo- than, than some fighters will do in 10, 10, 15 years.
0: I am aware of his level of accomplishment. I am not saying he is not somewhere on the list.
1: Yeah, he belongs in the top 10 for sure.
0: I top 10 don't easily. think he rates top 10. Yeah, he does. I, again, I I think the most difficult thing to do in MMA he has not done. Which is what? The most difficult thing to do in MMA is sustained success over a multiple-year period of time. The most uh, difficult thing to do is what GSP, Anderson Silva, and Demetrius Johnson did. That is the most difficult thing to do. Okay. To be there, champion...
1: All right, I'm not saying he's better. He he, what he did is better, but I'm saying he deserves to be in that conversation.
0: Again, is he somewhere on that list? If I were to actually go down and make a list of like the greatest MMA fighters ever,
1: okay. So I don't without without ranking. I definitely have GSP, Anderson Silva, Daniel Cormier. uh, Who else? Demetrius Johnson for sure.
0: Johnson should be ahead of Cormier.
1: I'm. I'm not. This is. The, I'm not. Okay. In no, no, sorry. Sorry. No particular order. No particular, order. Order. So, I'm, so in no I'm particular order. So here we go. GSP, Anderson Silva, Daniel Cormier, John Jones, Demetrius Johnson. So that's. That's five right there. So that's five right there. Yep. Okay. So. Are we allowed to put women on there as well? Sure. Amanda Nunez definitely belongs on there, then. Correct. I think I you would agree.
0: agree. I would agree with that. Yes.
1: Uh, so that's six.
0: If we're talking champ, if we're talking multiple level champions, Steep Amy Ocic belongs on there. Yeah. He wouldn't have come up next in my mind, but okay. He's the first man to
1: defend the heavyweight title. I'm not
0: Three saying he times. shouldn't have been there. That's saying that's where my mind wouldn't have gone. Okay. Uh, I'd put BJ ahead of Cejudo if we're talking career accomplishments. Ugh. Again, career. Ac- we're talking about career accomplishments here, right? I think BJ rates ahead I of can't. Cejudo in that respect.
1: BJ Penn, I'll put him on.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, hug on Disregard- to the
1: Disregarding the latter half of his career. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I have seven now. Matt Hughes.
0: I might put him above Hughes, but I'd also put Aldo above both of them.
1: Jose Aldo. Okay, so you want Jose Aldo on there.
0: I mean, look at his run through the WEC and into the UFC. Henry Cejudo. So there.
1: So that's 10. So you might have him at 10. I have him in the ten. In the you have him in the ten. Okay. I don't. I don't like. You see, I don't really even like the whole pound for pound thing. I just, who are like who are the greatest of all time? Like who set themselves apart? This group easily did.
0: Yeah, I have a few others that I would, that I would probably have again if we're talking about listing them. I have a few others. I might. Such put as,
1: in. such as.
0: Uh, again, talking career accomplishments. Let's see. I mentioned Aldo, Holloway, Habib. Um, mentioned Anderson. I'm not
1: ready to put Habib on there.
0: I. Uh, you're ready to put Cejudo on? With yeah. A four, with yes. a Fourth as much.
1: Yes. Okay. Habib doesn't have two titles and two weight classes,
0: so yeah. No, oh, he's just got the most valuable title and has mm-hmm. defended it twice look how he won it yeah less than ideal circumstances blame tony ferguson no that was supposed to be Ferguson's shot <laughs> i won't <laughs> okay fair enough
1: yeah um, I mean, connor didn't defend the title
0: either i i connor's not even ranking into my into my thought process okay yet. good
1: connor was the champion Conor was the featherweight champ. No, he was
0: the lightweight champion. He was champion the lightweight champion. champion. Yeah. champion. Again, he, that was supposed to be Tony's shot. Then he blew mm-hmm. out his knee six days out. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, again, I would the, put the his The studio speed- was too dark. He was wearing sunglasses inside. You're asking for that. I say that as the guy who was oh, oh, wearing sunglasses inside on occasion. That's, vict- that's victim-blaming, Robert. Victim-blaming. Look, look, there's a degree of personal responsibility that has to come into this. Oh. Hang on. Victims so,
1: over.
0: I so again. I I'd,
1: I'd put Khabib above him. Um, probably put Israel Adesanya above him too. No, not yet. Yowana. No. No to Yowana. No to Yowana. Uh, Ronda.
0: <sighs> Career achievements: Ronda versus Cejudo in just MMA. Cejudo beat better opposition, so probably not. All right, cyber. Um, no, I think Amanda's the only woman you can put on this list right now. Holly Holm. I just said, I think Amanda's the only okay. woman you Amanda's can put on this list only, right
1: now. Only, only woman. If we're talking just All right. career MMA accomplishments. All right.
0: All right, so I think some of these oh, games... yeah, I, you know what, Max? I'd put Holloway Max, on
1: there. Max Holloway, okay. Max Holloway, I think you can make an argument for. He had an incredible
0: run. Again, 12-fight unbeaten streak. Featherweight beat, champion, multiple defenses. Aldo twice. Aldo twice. Yeah, beat Aldo twice. Again, 12 again, twelve wins in a row. Featherweight champion with title defenses. Fought up for the interim belt at lightweight. Frankie. Frankie. Again, uh, uh, Matt, I think Max rates above Henry at this point. If we're talking lo- career accomplishments and longevity. Un- okay. Sure. Fair. Um, but
1: I think, but look, in an opinion-based list, some of these names are arguable. Some of the points are arguable.
0: Yeah, until you hammer out a specific empirical criteria. Uh, again, that's one of the reasons. Look, there's only like two people. I'm in a cruise. Maybe. No.
1: Not if consistent.
0: Ta- if we're talking about like career highs in in MMA, I might say Cruz was better. But if we're talking career again, like just total career, again. Uh, Cruz has had so many layoffs that uh, I think but it does impact beat how beat Demetrius
1: Johnson before Jimmy, you know, beat yeah. in a title fight, beat Uriah Faber, multiple title
0: fights. Um, uh, again, DJ e. Delashaw. Given, given how, given how that I consider, you know, sustained success over a prolonged period of time to be the most difficult thing to do in any combat sport, much less MMA. That's one of the reasons a lot of guys that, have these great peaks but can't maintain it, don't rate for me. Okay. I mean, I don't think there's any MMA fighter. Maybe a couple of there's like maybe five who if you were to ask me to list the best combat sports athletes of all time would rank.
1: Okay, so by your criteria, I don't even think BJ Penn should be on your list. Because he How didn't so? Cause his cause outside it outside of two uh uh what was it he had he had three title defenses.
0: three title defenses at lightweight yeah
1: it wasn't that sustained of a run because he had that break where he fought gsp
0: entirely possible again if you want if you still to this day ask me the most impressive stuff that's gone on in combat sports i don't think mma rates right now if we're talking individual performances over prolonged periods of time okay there's still nothing more impressive to me than Alexander Karelin's run. Just nothing. I, st- I, I still...
1: To, to win two belts and two-way classes in the UFC, and not only that, and defend them,
0: is pretty impressive. It's incredibly difficult. I am not trying to take anything away from that.
1: Because... It's rare, it's rare for a fighter to just do it with one belt. All right. Um... So anyway. Kevin Randleman, can we on move that,
0: on? Yeah, after Ke- that Kevin Randleman. After that uh, somewhat odd little detail Tangent. We-, we took there.
1: Kevin Randleman
0: yeah. is joining the UFC
1: Hall of Fame for the class of 2020, which is, which is going to stream later this year on UFC Fight Pass. I don't know how they're handling International Fight Week or if they're even will Neither be do one. Neither do they. <laughs> uh, but uh, Kevin Randleman who was a two-time Division I NCAA champion, former UFC heavyweight champion, fought in pride in uh, UFC, is getting inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, it's... I'm not... The pioneer, the pioneer era win.
0: Yeah, again, I, I think the UFC's criteria for this, because they don't actually have criteria for this, I think uh, it's solid criteria, honestly. Hang on, he's a solid inclusion. All things considered, and I mean, they the have... Pri- I have the criteria
1: for the Pioneer Arrow Wing. Okay. Athletes who became pros before November seventeenth, uh, two thousand seven. Uh, excuse me, two thousand. Uh, so they're basing that on the on the date when the unified rules of MMA were adopted, at the minimum age of thirty five. Or have been retired for one year or more that's the
0: criteria for pioneer okay so my when i said that that's unbe- okay that's un- again unbelievably broad criteria which is fine it also means that you get inclusions that if you look purely based on merit are a little bit more broad yeah i mean again if you you know if you'd get into the, say the national the the major league baseball hall of fame right Mm-hmm. If you're, uh, if you're anything other than a pitcher, they have like, at you you have to have a uh, like specific percentages in each category, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what they are off the top of my head. I'm not a huge <laughs> baseball guy. I don't know either, but I know they exist. And okay. the UFC again, they might they have some divi- uh, purposes of dividing between pioneer wing and more modern wing, which okay, is fair enough. But other than that, they don't really have a criteria established in writing. They have kind of what they go by, which I'm not saying except, good matter.
1: Except the criteria I just read for you. Yeah,
0: that, that's how you qualify to be included. That's, that's not necessarily saying you must have achieved X to qualify for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Your record has to be better than X. You have to have fought for a title x number of times you have to have won a title x number of times you have to have fought in the ufc x number of times that's not what that's not
1: what criteria that's not what criteria that is
0: actually what criteria means for inclusion a principle or standard by which
1: something may be judged or decided
0: yeah so if you go so that's why i said the ufc's criteria for this is very low and it allows them a lot of broad latitude with who they choose to include and exclude for whatever reason uh, so. And, I mean, look, if you if you were to establish a win based criteria, Randallman wouldn't qualify. His his final record was what nineteen and seventeen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you're a nearly five hundred fighter. Right. And I'm not. Let me be clear. I'm not knocking Randleman. You know, dude fought at a time when it was the Wild West, and he was. Again, won the heavyweight championship. I don't think he defended it, did he? Uh, No, I don't think he did. Because I know he won it after he lost that some that controversial decision to Boss Rutan. Then Rutan vacated because he wanted to move down to 205 and then retired due to injuries.
1: He won it from Pete Williams?
0: I think that's right.
1: Let's see. Yeah, he defended it once. So he did defend it.
0: Uh yeah, okay he beat Pedro Hizo. Pedro then, Pedro Hizzo. Pedro Hizzo, man. <laughs> yeah, then lost to Couture, lost to Liddell. Uh released from the UFC shortly after. I mean his most famous his most famous win is undoubtedly the knockout of Krokop when he was not supposed to win at all. And, and then, then he lost.
1: He lost the rematch.
0: Yeah, he got. He is the only man that Murko Krokop has submitted. I uh, did it with a standing guillotine, if memory serves. And then the other thing everyone incorrect. remembers about incorrect. What Murko choked somebody else out?
1: He's he's got another submission wins.
0: Which one? I know. I know. Josh Barnett tapped out due to injury. I don't think I think that's
1: the only uh, one. Hyun Man Myung and Shinichi Suzukawa. Uh, Hyun Man Myung via arm triangle at Ryzen and what Shinichi, uh, 2016. Huh. And good for him. And Shinichi Suzukawa via armbar at Inoki Bombay Bombay in 2012.
0: Okay, so for and a he long. He fight
1: time. again for the UFC
0: after that. Yeah. I I didn't pay look, after Alistair Overeem kneed his testicles up into his abdomen, I kinda stopped paying attention to a lot of Murko what Murko did overseas. <laughs> it was that's a, that's just kind of a sad fight to watch. Oh Pat Berry. He choked out Pat Oh Bar- yeah, he choked out Pat Berry. <laughs> In the hug fest. <laughs> Choking out Pat Berry. Uh Uh yeah, so I like anyway, Pat Rand, Barry. I don't have anything against the guy. Um so yeah, then the other thing people remember about Randleman is that six suplex he hit on Fedor, and then somehow still managed to lose the fight. Um, yeah, again, I don't really have a problem with him going in. Uh, you know, long history in the sport. Uh, you know, the UFC heavyweight title at the time wasn't wasn't what it is now, you know, in terms of no, the but, divisional strength well, and whatnot. Okay, but he, it's still an accomplishment
1: he helped the UFC get to where they are now and i think that counts for something did he i think so
0: i mean he was he was there what he was there but i'm not sure i don't know i'm not sure the degree to which guys Prest- like my point is guys like him helped
1: forge and de- define the sport in that era
0: yeah and- there were a lot of guys taking a big risk getting into the sport at all when it was what it was at the time and, and
1: he yeah, had a legit—he uh, he had a legit athletic background
0: too. Yeah, he was an insane athlete. Um, I don't know how much stock you want to put in what Phil Baroni has said about him, but Baroni was quoted as saying at one point in time that Randleman could literally, when he was going getting into the cage, jump over it without touching it, instead of having to walk through the door if he wanted to. Uh, he had a you know, very very solid collegiate athletic uh, amateur wrestling career. Uh yeah, freak freak athlete, roided right into the gills, but then so were most people back then. Uh he's again, he's an odd guy to kind of get your head around. I mean, he also, you know, had like had a drug-induced seizure backstage before a fight that caused it to be called off. But uh yeah, I don't have a I don't really have a problem with him going in. You know, the UFC's Hall of Fame is an odd thing. It's, I mean, if you want to make an argument based on legitimacy, it's, it's, it doesn't, you know, how much does it count as long as you're deliberately excluding Frank Shamrock? You know, so.
1: Arguably, it's not, arguably, it's not merit-based.
0: But it's almost, at this point, I don't think it's merit-based. I mean, they have a fight wing. Hey, which fight did Dana White like the most? Sure, here's Guida versus Sanchez. (laughs) I'm Not saying that's a bad fight. Okay. Here's Griffin Bonner one. So we can continue the hagiography of that being the most important fight in UFC history. Okay, Mr. Grumpy Pants. Look, I'm gonna get grumpy about the Bruce Lee thirty for thirty because the continued hagiography of Bruce Lee annoys me. Bruce Lee's an unbelievably important hang on. Bruce Lee, incredibly important figure in the world of martial arts, right? Not one hundred percent. Yeah. He called out elements of the culture when they needed to be called out. He uh, worked very hard, developed a very important style. I guy who listens to the show I know, Andrew Graham, who's been on once or twice, trains in JKD. Helped invent mixed martial arts. That's bull. (laughs) And that's where I, one of the things that I draw the line at. Like, everyone thinks, because Dana White thinks Bruce Lee is cool, yeah, he totally helped invent MMA. No. The fact that at a time when martial arts systems were unbelievably rigid he said, "Hey, by the way, this is a bad idea." The everyone has something to offer does not mean he foresaw in some prophetic vision that mixed martial arts will exist. What about his
1: what about his contest with Jean LaBelle, which was like the precursor to MMA?
0: That again, how much was the, some of that's gone down in urban legend. It's again, it's somewhat more it mythologized. And it no, hang on. It's documented. It is more mythologized than it should be. Okay. But yeah, it, it and look, that, that event is one of the things that I think points out the importance of Bruce Lee's mindset at the time. He didn't get unbelievably upset or embarrassed. He went, oh, you have something that I don't. Maybe I should look into incorporating this. And if Bruce Lee had not died so young, maybe you know, he was still working on his game. He was still improving. Who knows where he would have gone if he hadn't died so young. But, again, there's a lot of, again, hagiography or sainthood that gets conferred upon him. And he was important. I will never, no one with half a brain will deny that. He was important within the, within the culture of martial arts. He was important for drawing interest to martial arts. So, again, very, very important. Very talented. Enter the Dragon, I think, is a brilliant movie. It's been way too long since I've seen it to comment on the quality of the filmmaking. But, there, again, there's a lot of just, you know, Saint Bruce Lee that gets kind of thrown around that annoys me okay. because uh, he was not that. He was not perfect. The system he left when he died was not the end-all, be-all of martial arts. I there are people who believe you know,
1: that. you know, I think if we're... Yeah, he you know he was a human being. I like. No one seems to talk about. I get the sense the woman he was with the night he died was, was that his, was that his mistress or what?
0: I don't know. There's a lot about again. There's a lot about Bruce Lee that no one talks about his steroid use. Was he using steroids? Oh yeah. Uh, Bru- he was he was a big believer in trying to perfect the body. And. Chemically enhancing elements of it gets you closer to perfection. They just do. Uh, I mean, there's some argument that part of what contributed to his death was that he had some sweat glands removed from, like, under his arms. uh, Because he thought it hit That I never heard about. Again, there's... Is that real? Is that true, though? I believe so. Again, there's a lot... Hey, there's a lot about Bruce that is, again, like, falls into myth. Because for a long time no one wanted or was willing to really you know take a look at both the highs and the lows so everything gets kind of grayed. we don't get a real look and okay. it's and again it's it's one of those things that you know annoys me as a martial artist that there's those there's that giant se- I shouldn't say giant but there's a segment of the martial arts community that think martial arts was you know peaked with Bruce Lee when he died in the 70s <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm sorry. No. So anyway. Uh, Yeah. Point being, I I don't have a problem getting grumpy at sacred cows on occasion. Uh, All right. I think the last thing I wanted to touch on briefly, um, news broke and there was a health scare in the Nurmagomedov family. This last week or so, Um, Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov, Khabib's father, uh, went into a coma, uh, Last report I saw was that he was in a coma after suffering a heart attack that was brought on by complications from uh, the COVID virus. Now, again, that's kind of just what I've seen. Um, Thankfully, last I heard, Abdulmanap was out of his coma looking to recover. Uh, Hope he, I wish him a speedy recovery. Um, If you don't know how important Abdulmanap is to... The presence of to the the martial tradition in Dagestan. Uh, he is the he is like the godfather of MMA. As According to, to Yahoo
1: Sports, he tested negative for COVID nineteen. Okay, then some, so he they, did not have COVID nineteen.
0: Okay, uh, that was erroneously reported then. So my mistake. Happy to own up to that one being wrong. Yeah, he's an unbelievably important figure in that part of the world for um, just providing the youth with an alternative to extremism. I don't know how many of you know too much about Dagestan as a part of the world. It's it's been war torn forever, basically, and it's a hotbed of extremism. A lot of it, uh, Islamic in nature, and Abdulmanap went out of his way to try and steer the youth of that country into athletics into sambo into other martial arts and he had a successful career himself as a I, either as a sambo practitioner or a wrestler uh, forgive me I, it's been a while since I've looked at the material on that but he is an incredibly important person in that to that part of the world and uh, it's better for him being there uh, on a fairly large scale so hope he recovers uh yeah, so that's kind of all I had to say on that. If you've got anything to add to that, Jeff.
1: Uh best best wishes to Habib's father and his family. Hope he can recover. Uh last I heard he's in stable but serious condition. Um that was three days ago. I don't know if there's been uh has there been a later update?
0: I think that's the most recent one was him being out of the coma at least and then still Okay, so he was yeah.
1: So he's not out of the woods, but I, I hope he will be okay. So best wishes to him, uh, Abdulmanop and his family.
0: Uh, okay, let me check Twitter one last time, see if anything crazy happened over the last little bit while we've been doing this. I had my doubts about UFC
1: running events, but...
0: Yeah, okay, hang on, sorry. That's eh. the other thing I want... That's one of the things I wanted to mention. Okay. Thank you for reminding me of that, so... Uh, we've had three events, and I didn't get a chance to go into this with anyone. Uh, okay, because because I did the UFC 249 review solo. Uh, fanless events, just as a consumer of them so far. What do you think? Yay, nay? I think it wor- it works better for
1: UFC than it does for pro wrestling. The way I the way com- the
2: UFC handled that.
0: Um. Uh, For the record, my stance on that is that given that professional wrestling is a performance, and I don't mean that negatively, it's a performance that relies on the live crowd as part of the performance, right? It engages the present audience in what's going on. And I think that is a necessary component for it, unless you're really, really good about how you tweak your presentation.
1: I mean, AEW has done some decent tweaks, but it's still... To me, it's still lacking. UFC, the way they produce these shows, where it's just set on the octagon, you don't, you kind of, I kind of forgot that there weren't even any fans there. To be frank, um, n- now I can the fi- To me, most of the fights were good. I didn't hate it. To be frank, um, now. Just things being where they are with this pandemic, as long as they're doing all these tests and I feel like they're t- taking the proper safety measures, I, I'm okay with them continuing like this for a while.
0: Um, yeah, someone leaked, I think, the UFC's uh, safety protocols over the last week or so. Yeah. And, you know, they're not bad. Uh, sadly, the UFC isn't actually adhering to them <laughs> A lot of the time. Well, well,
1: I mean, WWE and AEW technically aren't I- either. You they know? don't
0: even have they don't even have safety protocols. Like okay. WWE isn't testing anyone, right? Supposedly they're taking temperatures. I mean, which is not nothing, but you can you are contagious well before you have a fever. Okay.
1: We know. I'm not saying it's a perfect situation. And I think there were valid questions around the Jacare thing, for example, and why he was yep. allowed. I, I imagine he went to the weigh-ins so he could still get his, uh, his show money, probably. He was so, not but...
0: guaranteed that at all, even by, after weighing in. I, I don't know what the... It, it
1: sounds questionable that he was allowed to go to the weigh-ins, even though he was wearing gloves and a mask and was kept further away. It seems... It seems a huge it seem it seems grossly negligent that that was allowed.
0: I would agree with that,
1: but look and second of all, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a medical expert, okay, but Anthony fauci um, has said you know you can run pro sports in empty arenas. And it seems like they've taken a lot of necessary steps. Now, I haven't read the the safety protocols, but. I I feel like these events were not a disaster and they kept not yet, yet, but I mean, look, they kept the amount of people there limited. They were close to the general public. Um, The the announcers were socially distanced,
0: unlike Unless unless they were on camera.
1: Okay, yeah, but like. Just for example, if movie and TV productions start again, Robert, when they're going to be doing some, like there, I'm sure there are going to be parts in movies and TV productions where you can shoot around the fact that you're not, uh, next to each other, but there are going to be parts where people aren't socially distanced. And I, I think you would agree am aware. That. Yeah. Okay. So that's going, that's inevitable. It's inevitable, you know, um, when I go into the grocery store, there are people who are not socially distancing from me. You yeah, know, I don't see, and I don't I see why that that's o- me, too. And I don't see why that's OK, other than, than the fact that governments say these grocery stores are essential businesses. So
0: because they are. <laughs> OK, I, I, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, there's been there's always I been. I don't like, know
1: why that why does, uh, to me, that doesn't make it OK, though.
0: Look, again, do I wish people would adhere to the appropriate protocols? Yeah, but if you want to see society crumble very quickly, uh, tell people they can't go buy food. So I will put up with the risk. (laughs) (laughs) Now, again, do I wish people would follow the procedures? Yeah, and I... Look, you live in a much more densely populated part of the country than I do. You Mm -hmm. live in a part of the country that has a a much higher, uh, I I think you've had a lot more cases than we have. I'm at significantly less risk than you, just from Mm -hmm. a purely practical standpoint, as far as that goes. Yeah,
1: I will say, I don't think Dana White went about this the right way. I think the fact that he was so confrontational about
0: it probably didn't help, you know. Yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) Dana's decision that the media is out to get him over the last few weeks was. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like all
1: like he was. I feel like he was so. I don't know. I feel like he had a bit of like a like a. A complex about this that he had to do this, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's I think I that's think... very fair. But my point is, I could have gotten on board with it more if he was just not so um, Dana White about it. You know,
0: yeah, he was unbelievably confrontational and unbelievably. Uh, sure. I, I think yeah. he also developed a bit of a persecution complex for this. Like the build up to two forty nine and these two events, he's had a little bit of the "everyone was out to get me" syndrome, like which is when, the Indian reservation thing. Oh God! What a bad idea that! Like all we did, and look, I have like zero influence, right? I right. got this show, and I got my coverage, and whatever poor souls follow me on Twitter, right? I'm I am not a major player in the MMA media culture space, right? I'm I'm just not. All I and I said, I think this is a bad idea because I thought it was a bad idea. Doesn't I agree. I don't.
1: I agree. That it, was a bad idea.
0: Yeah you know, that doesn't mean I don't want fights to resume safely it doesn't mean I don't want fighters to get paid it means at that moment in time the course of action they were taking struck me as unbelievably reckless and detrimental to all parties concerned that doesn't mean I want the UFC to fold like if the UFC goes away guess what I don't get to do you know this you know people in MMA media lost their jobs Because there was that big, you know, there was because of the state of the world. The fact that they're also saying, you know, it's probably not responsible to hold fights right now under these conditions is not, should not be taken as an indicator that they're trying to screw you. They're screwing themselves. It was, uh, it was handled poorly by Dana, but Dana handles everything the way he handles everything. You know, that man intact are like, but polar opposites
1: once they got these things running i think aside from some errors and gaps i think they i think they did fairly okay i think they there's did a, a lot it. i feel Go. like they did more than what wwe has done
0: they have i think empirically they have uh the rea- part of the reality is we're not gonna know for sure until all right uh you know the next couple the- weeks yeah, there's fall you know, we have to wait for the fallout, you know? Like we've had the events. You know, we uh, Jokeray bounced around a lot of people. There's plenty of there was plenty of video of him circulating, you know, he and Verdoom were hugging. Did he actually uh, hug Verdoom? Did he actually yeah, the, touch like Verdum? arm around the shoulder kind of thing? Yeah, they were they they were, it was like, on for Dana. Yeah, I, I mean he was a rat. Like there were plenty of people who mentioned that they saw him out and about right, during let's... that fight week. Yeah, the video was on uh, Verdum's Instagram. I don't know if he took it down. I have the video. Recently. I have the video right now. I'm. I'm yeah, gonna they, they're. It right. Yeah, they're right next to each other. Like
1: I don't they know don't, if they're. They is don't. An, okay. No, they never touch. There's no he, arm. He, there's no contact. He's right
0: really there. close. He's, he's very, close enough. To,
1: yeah, but that could be the camera angle.
0: He. Uh, let me put it this way: If he is that close, the mask is not helping. Okay. Possibly. To the extent that the masks help at all, which is still no, some disputed science. Here's
1: my point. Here's my point. There was no physical contact in the video. There was no arm around the shoulder. And this is the only – you said there's lots of footage. This is the only video I can find.
0: Okay. A lot of – okay. Let me rephrase. I, sorry. I, what I meant to say was that video was circulated a lot. That, so said, that, that, that said it doesn't
1: look good along with his interaction with Dana White at the weigh-ins where they – did a fist bump, gloves or not.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he and his cornermen were, uh, I, I think a few media members have mentioned that other people two reached out to them. Men,
1: two of his cornermen also tested positive.
0: Yeah. So we'll have to see, because if 249 winds up being, you know, a nexus point for the spread of the virus, we're going to have to revisit how things are done. But at the moment, that's... The
1: government regulated this event too, so they yeah, were all board.
0: The, go- the government sanctioned it, and there, so there is culpability there as well. So it's not entirely on the UFC, which is an important the ringside, thing. In the, in the
1: Association of Ringside positions who decried the Indian Reservation event, or the Native American Reservation at Tashi Palace. They, did,
0: they didn't just decry that. At that point in time, they said no combat sports can safely be yeah. held right now. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, when information changed and protocols were developed, they said, okay, that they revised their guidelines as the situation evolved. Right. That time, to me, was not the right
1: time to do it. This time might not even be, you know, I don't you know, this might not even be the right time either. But I feel like, I feel like some steps were taken. And I feel like be- the fact is that WWE and AEW are still allowed to continue running events, and they're put, and they're putting on events. They're being allowed to do that, and they are not doing it. In their, and they are not taking as many safety protocols as the UFC is. That is correct. So, and and pro, and, and there is a very high likelihood, Robert, that other pro sports are going to be running in the coming months before they're. When there's very likely I don't think there's ever going to be an actual cure working vaccine for this virus.
0: Uh, there, eh, there might be, but, you know, vaccines don't develop instantly.
1: And now we have plenty of crazy people who are saying they're not going to take the vaccine. So
0: Well, in okay. fairness to, hang on, in fairness to them, the language used by some of the people involved with that it, with those press releases was poor.
1: Okay. I, mean, I, I think a lot of the language used by the World Health Organization was poor.
0: I would agree um, with that too.
1: Okay. Um. This virus isn't. It, it's not going away. It's not. It's not going away anytime soon. So.
0: Well, no. I mean, look, Nasdaq came back today, didn't it? What was that? Yeah, now I think there was a NASCAR race today. Yeah. But again, so again, no crowd.
1: If I have a, if I'm trying to make a point here, my point is we're going to have to figure out ways to deal with this in some way. And I support I support the idea of coming up with solutions. I just think Dana White did not always voice it or
0: act on it in the best fashion. Uh, he absolutely didn't. And I, I think you're correct. Look, there's going to come a point when someone's going to have to – I need a good – like, I've heard a few, like, metaphors for this in different movies and whatnot, and I haven't found one that I really like. But someone's going to have to, you know, uh, you know, be the first person to eat the oyster, you know? That's a good – I think that's a good way to put it. Um, Where did I steal that from? Daylight. Daylight. A uh, Sylvester Stallone movie. Uh, yeah, someone's Good gonna, movie, underrated movie. As far as disaster flicks go, yeah, someone's gonna have to take that shot, do the, do everything that they possibly can to be responsible while doing an irresponsible thing, and see how it plays out. And the UFC seems to have been okay being the first person to put all of the fighters at serious risk which shouldn't surprise anyone. But again, someone's get, someone was going to have to take the plunge, you know? So there's still a lot of, you know, information that's going to have to come out in the weeks that follow the events. But thus far, the UFC, again, I think they were as responsible as they could be while doing something fundamentally irresponsible. And we'll have to see how things play out. You know, it, Again, if there's a big outbreak that is all that said, all that said. No fighter
1: who wants to sit this out should be punished or shamed for doing so.
0: One specifically, Aljamain Sterling. You know how crappy the portions of the MMA fan base are? I absolutely mean this. There was a segment of the fan base that was saying Rose Namajunas should produce the death certificate of her aunt. That's that's disgusting. I completely agree. But who who were who was were
1: people on Twitter saying that or? Yeah. Uh, look,
0: look you remember, know. They, they wanted some form of empirical proof that, that she wasn't me sucking Jessica Andrade. I don't
1: know. That makes me sick. Again, uh, Amanda part, News, Amanda, News, Amanda Nunez is not keen to fight right now either.
0: Yeah, there's a reason she pushed off until 250. Uh, and I would guarantee this about Nunez. If something happens between now and then that reveals a giant fault in the protocols or some big outbreak is traced to a UFC event,
1: yeah. she'll
0: probably go, nope. And I don't blame um, her one bit. Same thing. And Stipe. Yeah, Stipe's working. Uh, I mean, Stipe's. His big thing was, this is one of the other... You you mentioned Chael doesn't get too fired up recently. He got pretty fired up when Stipe released his thing. He said, uh, because Stipe's whole thing was, you know, the governor of Ohio still has our state shut down. I'm happy to fight Cormier. I'm happy to fight him for the amount of money we discussed. But I'd like to have a gym that's open (laughs) so I can train.
1: And what did Chael say?
0: Well, Chael was just on his back. like Chael was in agreement with him. Like just the, yeah. any talk of stripping Stipe is ridiculous. He's willing to fight. He's yeah, willing to I fight agree. for the money. Discussed. He's just got a duty as a first responder. Uh, you know, it, 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 and yeah. So again, just one of the other things that came well, out. People of are people so.
1: are definitely advocating him to get stripped now. And and oh sure, the,
0: sure they and, are. Daniel
1: and Cormier's he's he's been party to that as well, which I don't really think is right. Um. So no fight fighters who want to sit out right now should be allowed to do that without without punishment or penalty and people. And that goes for like fans should not be shaming them for wanting
0: to do so. No, look, anybody giving fighters grief right now over choosing the health and safety of their family and their loved ones over your entertainment. uh, Come on, guys. Uh, Yet no one should be given. I'm not going to give anyone any grief. Over them choosing to sit out.
1: Um, and it's, it's like the fans giving Martha heart grief because she doesn't want Owen to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Like,
0: did you hear her uh, episode of Talk is Jericho?
1: I can't comment on this. I okay. can't
0: say anything else. But yes, yeah. I'm aware of it. Yeah, i um... The, the story about the WWE suing her after she countersuing her when she sued them for breach of Owens contract. I mean, really guys? It's gross. And I don't blame her one bit to be quite honest. Uh, after the way that that was handled, I don't blame her one bit for giving Vince McMahon and that company, the finger like that. Not at all. It just, like,
1: I get that fans believe Owen deserves to be honored or whatever. I understand that, but, I mean, come on. Think about it. Think about it just for one second. This woman's husband died.
0: Due to darn near criminal negligence on the part of WWE.
1: Yes. Everything that
0: happened was entirely And it's
1: very, and, look, I'm not a lawyer. But there is very good documentation that's existing, that's out there that you can search for on Google through Google that supports this. Because there was a lawsuit and a, a lawsuit that was settled. So, yeah, just saying.
0: Uh, his episode of the Dark Side of the Ring is coming up, right?
1: It is the season finale next week, and okay. I can't really, for various reasons, I can't say much more. If you will, well, we'll find out.
0: I I just knew it was coming up. I wasn't sure what day it was.
1: But yeah, uh, that's what that reminds me of. Fans are Fans are Fans are selfish, basically. For as
0: much as we like to think otherwise. Uh, Okay, I think that's going to wrap us up here. Yeah, nothing else crazy is broken. Um, Oh, for the record, me personally, I kind of dig the fanless events. I think a live crowd is an irreplaceable component to a great fight. But I've also sat through so many awful crowds that, you know what? (laughs) Uh, I'll... I'm okay with there not being an audience at all. Maybe I'll feel differently. And again, don't get me wrong. If something like, you know, if the fight between, I mean, imagine a good crowd reacting to, you know, Gagey versus Ferguson, it would have been rocking. Yeah, I agree. But I also don't need a bunch of guys booing and wooing during Gedalia and Hill. Yeah, fights. Okay. Or I booing
1: don't... When, uh, when a fight goes to the ground or when they're working on the ground, et cetera.
0: I just don't, and I don't need the woos. I hate the woos so much. I I I I like the woos when they're appropriate. I I don't mind them in professional wrestling, right? <laughs> it's got context okay. there. Okay. You do a Ric Flair spot. You do a uh, the crowd woos and it, because again, it's a Ric Flair spot, right? Like, okay. I don't know why it permeated MMA. To just at some random point, some drunk guy up in the, you know, up in the third floor, up in the third balcony, just goes woo, and then blame it just Rick spreads Flair. like a wildfire. Blame Rick Flair and alcohol. I I can blame booze more than Rick in this case. Like the woo, as far as Rick Flair has been around long before MMA was even a thing. <laughs> like, I, but for it to perpetuate itself in MMA like it is, I just it's a bunch of drunken idiots. I guess I don't know. Uh, okay, so you've kind of hinted you've got some stuff in the works. It's been a few weeks. Uh, I know movie reviews aren't really a thing at the moment, although this What's Tuesday... a movie? This Tuesday, actually, Mark, uh, there will be a Damn You Hollywood. We're going to be reviewing Scoob. How was Scoob? I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to wait for <laughs> Tuesday. I'm putting it off.
1: Uh, okay. I did get uh, an interview with Tom Kenny, who's the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, um... He's doing a very nice project right now about uh COVID-19 called a moment for kids which is uh producing um PSAs for children to tell them about co- to educate them about COVID-19 using cartoon characters and we did talk about the SpongeBob movie and one of my favorite shows Final Space which he also works on uh there are, I can't I can't say much but you are going to want to tune in to the Wrestling Zone tomorrow morning, um, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, for something, two somethings that are very special for me, very big for me. But I can't go into detail on what they are.
0: No, I will certainly be looking forward to that. Uh, let's see. As for myself... Again, there's a Scoob review this coming Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood. I got outvoted on that. Um, and yeah, Castlevania Season Three sucked. Yep, yeah, Mark and I uh, we buried that pretty good on a TV party. So if you're in, in the
1: in the problem is Warren Ellis. He's outlived his usefulness. Uh, he, is is he the, the showrunner. He is. The, he's the writer. Okay. He's the writer for all three seasons. A whole season where nothing happens. Not really. (laughs) Nothing happens. And the heroes are absolute
0: idiots. Well, the heroes are idiots.
1: the The villains are also idiots.
0: Yeah, Castlevania season three is a bunch of dumb people doing dumb things. In predictably dumb fashion over a protracted period of time much more so than it needs to be uh so yeah anyway you can listen to mark and i on a tv party over on the rattlejin broadcasting network uh on the uh, w2m network as well just kind of where the rattlejin broadcasting group has its own subheading under the w2m network so find us over there again scoob review on tuesday um Again, you can read my full reports for the last two events, the UFC and ESPN Plus 29 and UFC and ESPN 8 in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. And we'll be back here next week to preview the next event. Uh, again, there is no event on the 23rd, but there is supposed to be one on the 30th. Hopefully we'll have a full fight card by then. And a venue. So we'll give you an update next week, if nothing else. If it winds up getting canceled, we'll be here to touch briefly on that as well. Um, yeah, I will say about that, you know, Woodley and Burns, not a bad main event for a fight night. would you abs- rather have Colby versus Woodley? Yeah, but they're not going to do that on a fight night. You know, That's a pay-per-view fight.
1: Um, just call it UFC 176 and make it a pay-per-view.
0: There already was a UFC 176. Uh, you, you might be able to get that for a straight ESPN card. You know, headline it with those You know, with those two. But, I mean, yeah, look, I'd rather see that. Sure. But. What was uh, UFC
1: 176?
0: Oh,
1: I want to say that was a GSP. That fight. was the canceled Aldo versus Mendez. Oh, yeah, yeah. So call well, it UFC 176. Make it a pay-per-view. I thought you were saying that because it's Fight Night 176. Uh, no, call it UFC 176, the pay-per-view. Uh,
0: yeah, they won't. Um, <laughs> they should. Uh, they're not going to. So anyway, we'll have an update on that card next week, if nothing else, and all the other news and combat sports related content that you all come to the show for. So hope to see you back then. Uh, Jeff, always nice to talk to you. Glad we could finally connect and get, and get Hooray. you back on show. Welcome back, Jeffrey. I'm not going to sing a theme song for you. I'm just not. Sorry, I, I spent too much time with Mark because that's the kind of thing Mark would do. He, he would break into a rendition of the Welcome Back Cotter theme or something like that for you. Uh, sorry, not that guy. But I am very glad that you're back. I have missed talking to you. Uh, and I'm a little, and I, I got really sick of talking to myself. So
1: Likewise, Robert. Thank you.
0: All right. Until next week, everybody. Stay safe out there and please continue to be well, be safe and behave.